What up, survivors? Welcome to D180, the horror movie podcast, taking you on a ride. Thanks for riding with us. I'm AJ. And I'm Jenna. And today we are moving into our second film for 2022, our first Ari Aster film, Hereditary from 2018. Now, before we get there, we got some things to do. First off, Oh, he's, he's yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna let John Nay introduce you. He said, I don't need no intro. <laughs> Y'all, this is my best friend, Shakira. We have been best friends since like diapers. Aww. Yeah, what's up, y'all? Uh, my name's Shaquille. Uh, I go by Blackwick. I'm an artist here in the DC DMV area. John Nay invited me on because she knows how I feel about horror movies. Uh, and I've been wanting to get on this show for a while, so I'm grateful for y'all having me here today. We had a lot to discuss. It's funny because I remember when I first met you at John Nays, not so secret anymore, Halloween. <laughs> 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 and we were talking about Scream, which is crazy because the day this episode drops, y'all, Scream is out. Scream is out, y'all. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, now at this point that y'all are hearing the episode, I have seen it already. But also remember, we're speaking in the future tense. So technically, the movie ain't really out yet, but it is out. So just pretend with us. Um, John Nay is going to see it tonight. <laughs> yes. And then we'll let you know how we feel. Shakira, are you going to see it? I'm going to have to put that one on my list. What did he say? Oh. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. What are you doing? Scream is my favorite franchise. What, what, what? I mean, even if it wasn't, it's just like. We allowed to witness it. Go see it. <laughs> that's how. That's, a, that's how much of a big deal it is to me. I'm overhyping it. It's in my top five franchises, but just know it ain't top three. No shade. But <laughs> well, don't make that face, girl. You ain't girl, girl. Once you actually get some franchises under your belt, that might change, and it might not. And I thought Halloween was your top anyway. You be flipping it and see you experiencing the flip. So don't do me. See, she come for me every single show. Every Single time. Speaking of come for me, I'm about to come for both of us. Girl, why did I listen to our first episode? Ooh. Ooh. Girl, it sounds so rough. Survivors, Ooh. I know some of you, a small few of you have been with us from the beginning. And you've heard the change. You've seen the evolution of the show. I forgot all about it. I went back to that Bastie episode. I said, oh. Ooh. <laughs> if you ever want to laugh, go back and maybe listen to the first four episodes. Cause I'm pretty sure they all sound like that. Like, but <sighs> anyway, let's get back to the subject at hand. So today we're talking about hereditary. Let's do this first because this is our first Ari Aster on the show. And I know that Johnny, this is your first time seeing the movie and she feels yes. this is your first time seeing it too. Yes. Now, I'm just going to start the show like this, y'all. I have never said this out my mouth, but I'm going to announce it to all the survivors today. I am an Ari Aster, Ari Ho. And I didn't know this about myself until I watched Hereditary, this watch for the podcast. Now, if you do not know what an Ari Ho is, because Johnny is like, what is that? Basically, <laughs> <laughs> an Ari Ho is a person that go up for Ari Aster, basically. And yes, I made that word up. I don't even, I made that up. Oh, cause but, I was like, is this a, is this a thing? No, I, I made, I think I made that up. Okay. Yes, um, A lot of people are not big fans of Ari Aster. I couldn't tell you why. 
I am not um, the one that's just going to be like, this is the greatest thing of all time, even though I slightly do feel that way. But anyway, John A., have you ever seen um, any movies in the horror realm that were associated or deemed elevated horror? Have you heard that term before? Or Shaquille, have you heard that term before? No. So this is elevated. Elevated horror. Okay. This is here's the thing. First of all, don't ever fucking say that because it's not even a thing, and I hate when people say it. <laughs> elevated horror became a phrase, a term, maybe around 2016, 2017. So films like Raw, films like Get Out, Hereditary, any of the Lighthouse, any of those films that are more of the realm of psychological horror people have started calling it elevated and artsy horror and you'll hear people often say well i don't want to see the scary movies with the slashes and the blood i want to see the elevated horror and you sit there like so they just did that in its own class like (laughs) just say psychological horror because that's what it is and we know that psychological horrors as we've seen throughout the show, can be displayed in different ways. So where Ari Aster falls in this argument is a lot of people feel like with his horror movies, I guess they feel like they're not actually horror movies, which I can and see I know that. We're, yeah. yeah. When he started writing the script for this movie, he didn't even, he was like, it wasn't a horror movie, it was a drama. When you can see that, when you watch the movie, it is a drama movie, but he was like, I didn't necessarily want it to be a drama, so I had to put some type of genre to it. And the only one that resonated at the time was horror. And that made it easier for me to pull horror elements out. But it is a family drama that turns into a horror movie. Now, when you explain it like that, everything makes sense. I think people aren't giving it the chance it deserves. All the survivors, you guys know, this is our second movie for our theme, Nanny's Gone Wild. Every month we will be talking about a movie that involves a person of Nanny, John A, a person of who? Grandma. Defiant, just insubordinate, oh my God. Anyway, person of Nanny status that is truly wild. And if y'all don't know why I'm going in on John A, just go to the first episode where she tried to play me. And why? But anyway, uh, all right. This movie is currently streaming on Hulu with a subscription and Showtime with a subscription. So if you ain't got them subs, you can't watch it. You're going to have to buy it. Um, I own it, so I didn't have that issue. Bro, it didn't pop up on Hulu for me. It didn't? No. It only popped up as being on Showtime. Oh, well, scratch that. Well, Hulu, they must have snatched it by the time I wrote my notes, I guess. So I was still able to watch it for free because, you know, my parents still pay for cable. So I just Mm -hmm. need to log in to watch it. But it's crazy because they had this movie on Prime for the longest time. They have. That's where I watched it. Yeah. I'm like, they have both versions. They charge now. And it was free. Like, that's what I was like. What happened? Like, they I don't know when. But I know Mia Tamara is still on there, which is Ari Aster's second film. But I have that in my watch list. I've just been waiting for a day to What's watch. What's the name it. of that again? Midsummer. Kind of like I feel it like sounds like a Shakespearean title. It is. Kind of. Kind of sort of. I mean, John, like I, I think Night you enjoy it, but I know you're gonna laugh because you laugh at inappropriate shit, and you're gonna. Cause laugh. I laughed at inappropriate shit in this movie. <laughs> we could talk about all that. Right, I figure, I figure. <laughs> but before we do, let's go ahead and get into... 
Park Recommendations. If you liked Hereditary and you're looking for more movies along the lines of this one, I would suggest that you take a ride on 2014's The Babadook. I also go up for that movie. Or 1968's Rosemary's Baby. Now, I know it's some, it's some things going with that movie behind the scenes, but, you know... Survivors, if you have any park recommendations that fits today's rise, let us know on our Twitter. Now, like I said earlier, this was you guys' first watch. But for me, after, I don't know how, but this movie came out in 2018. And somehow after avoiding spoilers, I don't know how I did it. I watched the movie a year later. I was up here. The whole room was completely different. I was watching it on my TV while I was filling orders. And this was the wildest shit I ever watched in my life. And I watched it in the middle of the day and I was shook. When I was first watching the movie, I had no idea where it was gonna go. And then 30 minutes in, when that scene happens, I was just like, oh, we are in for a ride, I guess. I just, I wasn't ready. And ever since then, there's been something about this movie that I'm just like, yeah, like he, Usually people don't get it right like that on the first try, but he had everything right. Speaking of, we've already brought him up, but this is directed by Ari Aster, written by Ari Aster, produced by Kevin Frakes, Lars Knudsen, and Buddy Patrick, cinematography by Paul Korzynski, edited by Jennifer Lane and Lucian Johnson, music by Colin Stetson, who went the fuck off with this music, and this one is an A24 film. This is also our first A24 film. Okay, look, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I just want to know. Have either of you ever heard about the strange things about the Johnson? Strange. I've seen the screenshots of it all the time. I don't recall that one. Okay, well... Um, because it looks like the same people who was in um, Get Out. What? That's a little racist. <laughs> 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 Bye. That's black on black crime right there. <laughs> but no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Cause I, the the girl, the wig that home girl had on the yeah, wig. It, it just it's like I seen the screenshots all the time, and I feel mm. like I have seen that short before. No, it you would so know familiar, but I don't. Yeah, no, you would know, child. I'm not going to um, make you guys sit here and watch it because this episode is going to be long, but. You know, I'm pretty sure the survivors would love to know your thoughts about that one. It's, I bring it up because it's Ari Aster's student film. It's what he made to, you know, graduate film school. And baby, it's a rat. And that rat ain't no hoe. But <laughs> we move. So A24, they've made movies like Mia Tamar, the one we're talking about today, Hereditary, Lady Bird, The Lighthouse, Moonlight waves it comes at night a uh, lamb that just came out that i heard wasn't too good but i mean i ain't seen it so i don't know slice zola all those movies but like i said we move the main cast is tony motherfucking collect her second appearance on the podcast we just recently talked about her for our season opener on krampus but she plays annie graham she was one of the first choices Ari Aster wanted for the role of Annie. And you know, we talked about this last time that um, Tony, she wasn't going, she was done with horror movies. She was like, yeah, I know I did Sixth Sense, but 
ain't doing no more horror movies. But when she read the script for this one, she was like, mm, damn, you got me. All right. We have Alex Wolf as Peter Graham. We know y'all, well, I don't know if y'all do, but I know him from Naked Brothers fan. I don't know if y'all was. Naked Brothers, that, that's where he was from. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, him and that we was on the verge so of like leaving Nickelodeon and Disney shows when that show came out. So I only seen it for a little bit. So, you know, some of us was too old to be watching it. Some of us was, you know, that's where he's from though. Mm-hmm. Millie Shapiro. I know he was in Jumanji too. You know, I don't like Jumanji. He was in something else, but wait, whoa. Which one? The original or the remake? I am terrified of the original Jumanji. I told you this, really? right? Not you, Shaquille, but why are you looking so shocked? You know I'm scared of that movie. I just never heard that before. Really? I am terrified. Like, so what happened was, because, you know, I tell the story. I'm getting chills talking about it. Like, my older sister thought it would be funny to tell me that I was going to turn into a monkey like a little boy in the movie and lock me in the closet upstairs. Oh, no. No, ruined the movie. I never even finished uh, it. Oh, no. I have no idea what happens. At, like, I do not want to. Well, it's know. a happy ending. I don't yeah. want to know. It's a very happy ending. I'm, I'm not going to find out. <laughs> and it was Robin Williams. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, and I understand, but you know that. Scary. No. David scary. Allen Greer. Oh, yes. my God. Oh, no, they ruined well, it. Well, there was sunshine at the end of that movie. So. She ruined it for me, and oh. I've been to like no like any of the remakes of Jumanji. I've just stayed away. I'm just like yeah, no. And like Kevin Hart is in it, like that oh, one remake. It. So like They're how really good. you know, like obviously it can't be scary, but I'm just like that childhood trauma. Like mm, kind of like what our family is dealing with here. Like mm, no, we're not doing it. <laughs> We have Millie Shapiro as a Charlie Graham. She and Alex actually went to the same performing arts school. When she did her audition, Ari Aster knew that she would be perfect for the role. And I just want to uh, point out now that she does suffer from a genetically inherited medical condition. It's the same one that gotten Matarazzo has, the little boy that plays Dustin from Stranger Things, the cute one. Mm-hmm. I've never Freddy. seen Stranger Things, so I don't know who you're talking about. Can we screenshot that? Can we screenshot that? What? what? (laughs) You ain't seen that one episode. You don't know the significance of the egos. No. You don't know that motherfucking Robert England is coming for season four. No. Girl, all right. I have never. We're done for today. We're about to be in Stranger Things. We're done. Oh my god. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Ma'am. Put that at the top of your list. And I mean, it's on it, but it was just like, uh, oh, yeah, you need to get that done ASAP. Mm -hmm. ASAP. Like, oh, my God. And then you get to see Billy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now I'm going somewhere else. But anyway, yes. So they, you know, um, a lot of people ask, like, do you think Millie got this role because of her look? And I think so partly, but also she's a really good actress. I've seen some of her other things. She's a Broadway actress and you know, she pretty thorough. Then we have Gabriel Byrne as Steve Graham and Anne Dowd as Joan. All right, now this episode of Survivors is gonna be long because if you've seen this movie, you know this is a movie that rewards rewatches. There are so many things that you can miss the first time, unless you're just somebody that 
just got it like that and you caught everything on the first time. So the way we're going to do this one is I'm going to give a lot of these things away in the background section that we usually do. And if it's anything worth discussing in our actual discussion, I will bring those up there. So don't worry. I will try to cover as much as I can. This was shot in 32 days. After looking at five houses in Utah, the decision was made that the entire interior of the Graham house would be built on a soundstage. This would give the movie more of a dollhouse aesthetic, but that also plays into the theme of the film. The film was also intended to take place in a snowy setting, but timing would, you know, give them what we have now, which was spring. I kind of like that it's in the spring, though. Because um, movies that don't give you that horror vibe, like movies that happen in the daylight, terrify me. Because why is this happening during the day? It's not supposed to be happening. Hey, that's and, facts. <laughs> yeah, and like with this movie, this is in the spring. So it's not like, see, if it was a winter, we would have already been in that kind of dark and sad, sullen feel. You know what I'm saying? So, so I mentioned earlier how this film kind of came about that it wasn't intended to be horror at first. But when he did decide to add those elements, he wanted to make sure that people understood that hereditary is not a metaphor for mental illness. So a lot of people is like, oh, it's supposed to show how this is getting passed down. Yeah, yeah, but no, they're not passing a mental illness down. Actually, what it is, it's kind of a double entendre. We're talking about Ellen Lee's bloodline being a suitable host for payment and we'll talk about payment in a little second and you know what i'm gonna tell you now it's okay that we say payment because that's not actually how his name is pronounced so we're not summoning anything so we're good to go oh johnny guess what i like this movie even more because guess what movie it was inspired by what carrie oh <laughs> don't do that don't 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 do it <laughs> John may just be so unimpressed anytime I bring because up everything is inspired by Carrie. <laughs> Period. She's great. Thank you. Oh, Thank Carrie's you. Great. Okay. Oh my God, I love Carrie. She's such a but hater. She is a hater. <laughs> she deserved to go off at the end. And John A was weak. Say it, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the original cut of this film was going to be three hours. Now I'm going to take this time out to say, survivors, I watched those deleted scenes and i did a bonus episode on patreon i did a segment called delete it or leave it where i watch deleted scenes and give my opinion whether they should have stayed in the movie or been cut out so if you guys want to see that you can join our patreon the link is down below but i will say these deleted scenes are so loaded you get character development you get different sides to people because even when ariasa wrote this script every single character had pages and pages of backstory that did not make it to the film. But just so the characters will understand who they were supposed to be, they were giving these packets, had to read through the packets to understand their character. And how some movies do, they had the family actually like hang out with each other. So sometimes like Peter and Annie and Steve would have to hang out without Charlie or Peter and Charlie would like go to Burger King or something like that. And they would actually like have to be in character when they like went mm -hmm. out and did this stuff so they could start, you know, figuring each other out as a character family, which I thought that was kind of cool. I like when movies do that. And it kind of shows on the screen as far as I think. 
as far as effects, anything that could be done practically was. Y'all know I appreciate that. The only thing I didn't like was those CGI flies. But we will get there when we get there. Yo. <laughs> like, I was like, these flies look so bad. <laughs> like, I couldn't take it. But Hereditary premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on January 21st, 2018. The trailer for the film was released on January 30th of the same year. So check this <laughs> There was a screening somewhere in Australia, and they had a whole bunch of kids in the theater, right? Somehow, they were supposed to be watching Peter Rabbit. I don't know what the fuck happened, but the movies got switched, and they got the Hereditary trailer, and them kids went running the fuck out of the theater. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but anytime something happened to little kids like that, I laugh because the shit is funny. I don't want them to be like scarred or anything, but I just, and I just <laughs> sat here talking about how I was scarred by Jumanji and look at me. But mm, before we go, let's talk about payment really fast because I want you guys um, to understand who this is. Oh, you know payment? I always want to say after you give your explanation, we just need to say that that's a demon because we don't be conjuring up shit. There's power in a name and you just don't be saying shit, okay? So was y'all not listening earlier? She called it. Said, she called it. When I said we was good, because that's not how you pronounce it. Yeah, you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, she said that. That's not how you pronounce his name. I don't care. Yeah, I I did a deep dive before I knew he was doing this on the show because I just was curious and obviously for the research. And I was really trying to figure out, but Ari changed a lot of stuff when it came to payment. And I think it was because he didn't want to conjure this demon. So in the movie version, payment is a powerful demon, which some of this stuff doesn't line. He is one of the eight kings of hell. He is also the king of mischief. So make sure y'all keep that in mind because it's going to make a lot of stuff make sense. He is believed okay. to be able to give riches and knowledge. And like most demons, he wants to be resurrected into the human world, the mortal world. And the way this needs to happen is through the body of a suitable human. In Payman's case, he would prefer the body of a male, but he'll take anything he get. But he, he wants the male body. So I do want to say, I really did see something strange about the Johnsons. How did you not remember you seen that? Because some I don't remember titles. So a lot of times. Oh, wow. But I did see it. And I remember at the time when I watched it, I want to say I was in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it came out like a long time ago. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah I was in college. Mm -hmm. So that's probably why I don't remember. I just don't <laughs> understand. No. I just don't understand. Because when you see that, you just be like, what? really what the fuck did i just watch and then you think then about that for like, a few days no stuff like that i forget because i'm just mm -hmm. like just like mm -hmm. i don't know you might actually you might actually be a sociopath i don't know <laughs> you might actually just be a lot of people said that this movie like stuck with them for a few days after it did <laughs> it didn't stick with me see no that's why i'm like what is the problem <laughs> what is like do you just not are you that broke you just don't feel no more <laughs> All right, y'all, with that being said, <laughs> let's get ready to get in line for 2018's Hereditary. Step in line. Your number is near. Follow the signs. Your time is here. So at first, I was almost on the side of skipping the queue line today. We was going to get a fast pass because I was just like, what? 
what game what because i'm not asking no questions for this movie because they will all be depressing and sad (laughs) and then i was like there definitely is not going to be any type of anything that can come close to this movie but i i actually did find a quiz we're going to find out if we ourselves will make it through hereditary without dying you can also play along with us at home the link is down below right under our timestamps mark and you can go ahead and let us know your results on our twitter or any of our other socials first things first pick a bird do you want this little cute turquoise breasted bird with a little orange top and blue wings or i think this is a parrot or a parakeet and it's just all different shades of blue i like the bird on the left i like the first bird too uh I'm going to take the parakeet. Perfect. Are you at least close with one grandma? Nope. Me either. This is hypothetical, right? No, it's real. Oh. <laughs> well, then, yeah, I'm close to my nana. Yes, answer truthfully. <laughs> yeah, I was like, And I huh? was thinking that, too. I'm like, why the fuck you lying? <laughs> I mean, my nana all the time, we be jarring on people. <laughs> Who would you rather trust? And Dowd, which is who plays Joan, or Millie Shapiro, who plays Charlie. Charlie? Mm, I'm going Charlie. I'm going with Charlie as well. Who would you rather marry? Would you rather marry Annie, Tony Collette, or Gabriel Byrne, who plays Steve? Steve. I ain't passing on Tony. That's a bad bitch. If we're talking like who the character is in the movie, he put up with a lot. I mean, he do. He put up with a lot. I felt bad for him. He was a real one. He was a real one. Nobody does. He didn't deserve that. I'm sorry. He did it. I'm sorry. There's no pegboard option this week, Nate. So you got to pick somebody. I guess I go with Gabe because then I can do what I want. Oh well, not you. <laughs> I mean, you just going to the movies in the middle of the night without your oh. husband. I mean, exactly. I go places I by myself all the time. to do what I want. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Also, I'm not married either, but I go places alone. I hope I can continue yeah, to do that. But I mean, like it seemed like it was late. He's coming out. He's coming home, and he just where you going? Oh, I went to movies. He only spanked one time. Oh my god! Like he only spanked one time. Cause I, if I was if I was living with my boyfriend and I'm talking about I'm going to the movies without him, this would be a whole issue. Cause movies are a thing. I mean, yeah, they are a thing too. But if I just want to go without you, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, my regal points look good. So. <laughs> I'd be ragging up. That's how I take you right. for free. You know I'm, I'm not about to drag you to the movies and you don't even want to see it. Like, ruin my experience. Nah, I'm good. I just need an hour. Right. I'll be back. I'll bring you some food home, I guess. Something. Pick a place to hide. The attic or the treehouse? Treehouse. I ain't even going to see it. Treehouse. I don't play with attics. I, ugh. <laughs> I don't play with attics. Y'all ain't going to. Y'all, look. I get it. But I'm also going to pick the attic. Well, y'all nobody picked the attic but me, but I'm picking the attic. I'm not picking that treehouse because no, bitch. I seen what happened in that treehouse. I'm good. 
Um, yeah. So now we have this question. It's probably my favorite question. Do you smoke weed? Yes, I do. I can no. answer for John A. Every day. No, she does not. I can no, answer for name. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Pick a decoration. Welcome mat or a mm. miniature house? Welcome mat. I am picking the miniature house. Welcome mat. Do you have any Welcome food mat. allergies? Yes. But yes. non deadly. Pick yes. You yeah. have food allergies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do not. Pick a Tony Collette movie. Little Miss Sunshine or About a Boy. She looks so different in these screen grabs. Jesus. Okay, you both look like a whole uh, different person. Yeah, I'm going to go Little Miss Sunshine. Because isn't that one where the little girl was dancing on stage with, uh, what's the boy dude name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever sleepwalked? No. I have not. Pick an Alex Wolf movie, The Naked Brothers Band, the movie, or huh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Jumanji. Yo. I'm just playing. Jumanji. I'm going to pick Naked Brothers Band because we all know I don't play with Jumanji. <clears throat> Do you believe in reincarnation? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Pick a way. <laughs> Pick a way to get decapitated. Driving into a pole or cutting off your own head. Driving into a pole. Um, instant death or pain slow. Right. <laughs> That's what it comes to. I'm gonna go with the instant death and drive my pole into a head. I mean, <laughs> drive yeah. drive my head into a pole. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I could do that. See, it's like, okay, so if I cut my own head off, can I stop at any point? No. I see saw. That's all I right, see I'm my just head. like, mm. It's yeah. torturous. Uh, mm. uh, I'm going to go with driving into a pole. Jesus, I don't, ooh, I don't know if I could do that, which makes me think I have something else to tell you, but I will bring it up in a second when we get our results. Oh, Jesus. All right. Johnny. All right. I survived. You survived? I survived. Yeah. I survived. Yeah. I thought I was going to die, but we all survived. So I guess, yeah. Okay, now before I say this, guys, I do unfortunately have to press the spoiler button. We're almost at that time anyway, so I'm going to go ahead, press that button. I forgot to mention to you guys earlier, Charlie's accident is actually based off of a real incident that happened in real life. I can so, believe that. Yeah. Um, I feel like this happened a few times in life. Probably so. Because my dad tried to tell me one time when we were driving through Alexandria. Stick your head No, down. keep your arms inside the window. One time we were oh, driving yeah, around said, uh, with a friend and he had his arm out the window and it hit a sign and it got chopped off. And I was like, the fuck? Yeah, they tried to tell me one was on school bus. I'm like, bruh. Then when I brought it up to him, maybe like a year or two ago, he was like, I never said that. So yes, you did. Yes, you did. I hate when you <laughs> tell your parents they said something or they did something and they be like, no, I didn't. What are you talking about? I never. That's you got a wild denial. imagination. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yes, you. Yeah, in real life, Francis Frankie Brom was 23 and he was at a bar with his best friend, like childhood best friends, like diaper, sandbox, love, best friend, John Hutcherson. They were inebriated. 
Frank was in the back seat. John was driving. I don't know what happened, but Frank stuck his head out the window, got decapitated. John didn't even know this happened. He just kept driving, didn't stop. Blood all over his body, went home. Cause I think they like shared an apartment together. I think, I think, I can't remember. Mm. Went home, got blood all on him, is drunk as fuck, goes to bed. They, um, a lady walking with her baby finds like the body, just like in the yes. car. Just yeah, just it. in the car. Like how he was like, oh, like, fuck. okay, just finds the body, <laughs> oh, no. just like hanging all the blood, like just gushing out the car. And then the family, I don't know whether to say fortunately or whatever, but the family didn't want to see him go to jail because they was like, this has to be an accident. That was his best friend. Like, we know it wasn't malicious. So, like, please show him leniency. I actually don't know, like, what, I don't think he went to jail. They was just like, it's going to be enough for him to, like, just know that he killed his best friend. And even when they found him in the morning, he was still kind of drunk. Like, he still didn't even know what happened. Register. Oh, Jesus, Man. I can imagine. I... Wow. Ooh, no. With that being said, survivors, it is finally our time to get into our first Ari Aster film on D180, 2018's Hereditary. Come on, Peter. Yes, you're suing. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. Oh my God! What's that? She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. And she wasn't altogether there. At the end. stress on my family. You know, I have car trauma. Car trauma? Yeah. Because <laughs> when I went to like this summer camp that my parents made me go to when I was like 12, we had this camp counselor and she had like a tragic ass life. Okay. She had a boyfriend, boyfriend died in a car accident. Well, she told me the story of how her boyfriend died. 
apparently they were all in the car or whatever and had seatbelt on, got into an accident. Everyone else is alive, but he's dead because the seatbelt constricted so much that it got his organs on the outside. So like they're like sitting in pool of blood in the like it lasts right yeah. So after that, every time you know how like sometimes you move too fast in a car and, the, and the look, I be getting freaked out and I be like <laughs> because of that story that she told me yeah. when I was like 12. I mean, free accidents happen. I get yelled at a lot, but when I put my seatbelt on, I don't put it over my chest. And I know a lot of people are probably like yelling at me right now, like, well, what the f- are you doing? I don't put it behind me, I just put it under my armpit. Cause for some reason it going over my neck, it'd be like, I don't like this. And you know, you can move it on the side, but mm-hmm. I'm so short. And even when I move the feet up, uh, yeah, it's still, still over like my hugging neck. Up here. And I don't like that feeling when you move forward and it just jerks. You're not about to decapitate me. So I put it under my armpit. It's still like kind of over my chest, but it's just not cutting my neck. Even though that's like a freak story. And I don't know how many people have died from the seatbelt constricting like that. But like, I mean, Think of, um, okay, now my sister got into a car accident and the seatbelt did leave like scrapes on her from tightening up. But think about Delicious from Flavor of Love. She had all of them like deep cuts on her. Like, I don't know if you remember, but she had all them deep cuts from her seatbelt in that car accident. So them things definitely. One of our church members growing up, she went blind for I don't know how long from the airbag deployment. I was about to say the seatbelt? No, it was airbag. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's not they have like but... shrap, like little like pieces of shrap metal and stuff like that that come out of mm-hmm. their stuff. Powder. Yep. She was blind for, for a good little minute. Jesus, talk about post to save us, but uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, mm-hmm. am I supposed to be grateful that I'm alive and blind, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, I was fine for that. <laughs> At first, I thought you were saying this to go into the trailer, but I realized you was just talking. Yeah. No. <laughs> I hated the trailer. You didn't look well. Okay. Be- you know how I feel about trailers. I didn't really like it. Um, I did not mind the trailer, but I didn't mind the trailer because when you watch it, it, it makes you think differently of the movie. I um, If I would have seen this before I saw the movie, I would have thought we was getting another creepy kid movie. That's what I would have thought. I would have not. I did not expect what I saw. I definitely I didn't get creepy kid creepy movie. Kid. I I got like eerie house. Somebody was the culprit, but I I don't know. I didn't see it going that direction from when I saw the actual yeah. from the trailer. We start our movie with an obituary, just a little excerpt um, for Ellen Lee's funeral. As Annie, Ellen's daughter, sits in the car, Steve, her husband, rounds the house, waking up their 16-year-old son, Peter, and their 13-year-old daughter, Charlie, who was asleep in the treehouse. Steve lightly scolds Charlie for sleeping outside in the cold, but Charlie's saying, you know, that's okay. After the funeral, Annie, Ellen's daughter, delivers a eulogy explaining her fraught relationship and her mother's extremely private life. To drive the point further, she acknowledges the attendants of the service are pretty unfamiliar. Real ain't recognizing real right now. 
Even speaking about her feels wrong. As she continues, clicking can be heard. And it's Charlie who is drawing Annie at the podium in her small sketchbook. Steve redirects her focus and the funeral continues. While it's time to view the body, Charlie looks up to a guy just staring at her and smiling. Someone also comes up to Ellen Lee and wipes something across her lips and just dips out. Steve finds Charlie staring off while eating a king-sized bar of chocolate and confirms with her that it doesn't have nuts. And not even a minute later, Annie comes and asks the same question, stating that they do not have the EpiPen. The family arrive home as faint footsteps can be heard somewhere around the house. And Annie gets a text from the contractor that she has a current deal with asking to see her project on her miniature. She's a miniature artist. We see some in the beginning. We'll talk about it in a second. Regardless of the status of completion, they're just trying to see where she's at in her project. That night, Steve checks in on Peter, who isn't too affected by recent events, whereas Charlie is taking it differently, not in a crying way, but out of everyone in the house, she's the one who is visibly upset. Annie is comforting her, telling her that, you know, you were grandma's favorite. She wouldn't even let me feed you because she had to. Charlie chimes in. She wanted me to be a boy. Annie tries to navigate the situation thinking this is more about, you know, maybe not being a girly girl, maybe being a tomboy, just trying to give Charlie some assurance when Charlie asks, who's going to take care of me? Annie, low-key offended, jokes that um, I'm right here, Dodo, but Charlie adds, but when you die, Annie, unable to really comfort Charlie, hugs her, and as she does, she sees the word satiny written on the wall. Okay, let's stop right there. I skipped over the very opening shot of the movie. So the movie opens, you see the treehouse. We're in Annie's studio. You see a shot of the treehouse. There's a fly trying to like get out the room, but as it flies off, we zoom to a miniature of the Graham house and zoom into Peter's room. Now off top, as I said earlier, the whole set was created to make everything look bigger. Kind of like how it was in Krampus just to make everything look bigger than it is, make it look very like unreal. But when you do this throughout the movie, I just want to present this now. If you guys ever rewatch this movie, think as if you're watching through like the Colts perspective and not like, cause it feels like the whole time you watch this movie, you feel like you're like someone else in the room and you're not actually supposed to like be there. You know what I mean? So if you look at it through the cult's perspective, you can really see how everybody's just being manipulated despite what's going on. So I thought this movie was going to be a little bit different based off the opening scene. I mm -hmm. thought that we was going to have one of these creepy dollhouse movies where the dollhouse somehow be controlling the people or some shit. Kind of like the Haunting of Blind Manor when the little miniature figurines was related to the people somehow. Yeah, they had a couple uh things that kind of like i guess they introduced but then just left it there like the 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 dollhouse i, th I thought they was gonna play around that more mm. um and then how they like you said they made a big emphasis on the whole epi pen or eating a chocolate bar i thought like we would see an allergic reaction at some point or something like a little bit different you know because a lot of people are like well why don't y'all have an epi pen with y'all now i'm not gonna stunt <clears throat> Because I got hella nieces and nephews, and some of them use EpiPens. After a while, you do not be thinking about that damn EpiPen. 
at this point, they know what they should be eating, what they shouldn't. And yeah, you should have it just because, just in case. But at this point, she 13. If she can't figure it out, then it's just like, well, shit. Well, I mean, we ain't got it. <laughs> we can't even say that because one of our friends, Pom Pom hit her face and she was about to die. And didn't have that EpiPen. <laughs> Crazy. I forgot all about that. And, and she, she was in her even, 20s. Mind you, she didn't even touch the chicken. And didn't just, even touch the chicken. I think somebody else ate the chicken and had the pom-poms because we switched palms at some point. Yeah. Because we, we were doing some sick. type of dance. Mm-hmm. And wow. the pom-pom touched her face. Bro, had to call the ambulance. Yeah. That's but like I said, she was in her 20s, had no EpiPen, no, no, no type of medication. So I can buy them not having the EpiPen. That didn't bother me at all. Um, One thing I do want to talk about is... um. I'm going to just say this from jump. I truly believe that Charlie is not Charlie when we meet her. I think based off of what we learn later and the pieces will make sense when we get there. And that's why this movie is so hard to talk about. I think that's payment. And it's just like Charlie is in a sunken place, like on autopilot. Because Mm. when she, when we first meet her, she's sleeping outside. Um, demonology 101 tells you demons like the code they stay like demons ain't trying to be in no heat so all top when she was like that's okay i'm like girl like sis because you know they with no heater right like she just out there just chilling whatever so i honestly think that based off what we know and some other evidence will support that in a little bit that this is not Charlie. Like Charlie's on autopilot. Like this is definitely payment. This is why when she looks at that creepy ass guy that's staring at her, she don't think twice of it. When she sees okay. I got to talk about that creepy guy because I thought I was going to go left. I mean, it did. <laughs> no, you know what, no. I know what left she means. We know what left John yeah. named me, but I mean, technically it still went left. Because I he was yeah, that was a weird creepy ass stare. Mm-hmm. Like why are you sitting there cheesing yeah, like that? He knew what she yeah, was. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm weird. like. He, knew he, knew who he was she looking was. at. He was excited. Or they knew they was plotting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it had to be. We know something. that now, but in the moment, I was yes. like, this. this it wasn't. <laughs> what is going on here? So when we hear Annie deliver her eulogy we see that she's wearing the same necklace that um, her mom has on her casket. Now, another thing, I'm going to be very honest. People are like, well, she ain't look up what the symbol meant. I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't have. If my mom gave me something and me and my mom ain't that close. First of all, this is probably her first time wearing it. She literally is probably on. And I've done that. I am very guilty. Like I've had family members pass and I will wear like a piece of something that they gave me to the funeral that I've never worn before. Like, I know that's bad, but I've done it. So I can honestly see her wearing that necklace for the first time, just thinking like, oh, this is something my mom gave me. So, I mean, I guess I'm aware this today, but at the same time, if we was close, if they was close, then she would have known what it was anyway, because she would have been down, but this is just more to show you that like her and her mom's relationship is just not there. The last couple of things I want to talk about before we move on. I do hear people often talk about what would this movie have looked like if it was a Black family? First of all, if Black Tony Collette or Black Annie, whoever, would have seen that writing on the wall, Charlie would have got her ass whooped. 
Because she would have been like, who was writing all <laughs> Just writing all <laughs> over this house? You got a whole art station. You want to write on the house? But yes. Speaking of those words, I'm going to go ahead. We see a few words throughout the entire movie. We see satany, which means um, it's just a word associated with bringing the dead back to life. Zazas is um, a word used to summon a demon, but we're good because I didn't say the whole thing. And then lift touch pandemonium means open up chaos or hell. I have a gang of links down below on people I think have done like really great work analyzing this movie, giving you different perspectives. So you can find all those links down there and they'll give you like full analysis on these words, what they mean, where they come from, payment, just the whole shebang. So if you want to get in that, you can definitely check out the show notes once we're done here. But back to it. Why the people who be making these movies be putting too much detail in it? Like... (laughs) But that's what makes it better. You don't like but, that? Yeah, that's I, what, I that's what, that's what it. gets it better. Like, like, but why are you using real shit? Like, why? Because <laughs> this movie could easily fail had it not had that background. Like, if first of all, choosing payment versus choosing the devil, that already gives you one up. Because anybody, we could have just been like, yeah, the devil did it. And, you know, everybody does that. That would have been simple and plain. But just knowing that you literally took the time out to actually, like, look this stuff up and yeah, know what you're talking about. And it's so, as we get into the movie, because, you know, I didn't found it. It's so much of the stuff that I found that he actually did his work on to, like, make this work. But, I mean, in all, it makes the movie work. Annie is in her office when she finds her mom's book on notes on spiritualism, deciding to, you know, thumb through it. She finds a letter that reads, please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses. You will see that they were worth it. Our sacrifice will pale next to the rewards. Not really understanding what that means. She packs it up to leave the room and turning off the light. She sees an apparition of her mom staring at her almost smiling but disappears as soon as annie flips the light back on this time before she leaves she turns around one of her miniatures and this one is of her in the bed holding charlie as her mom stands over her with her titty out yes with her oh little titty out next day (laughs) charlie is working on her own miniatures made of random parts while she's supposed to be taking a quiz When the teacher stops her to nicely redirect her attention, a bird smashes into the class window. As the class goes into an uproar, Charlie remains in her seat, staring at a pair of scissors. Meanwhile, in Peter's class, they're discussing fate. Basically, do you turn the free will button on when you're playing The Sims? Or do you let your Sims have any autonomy? You guys play Sims, do you? You let your Sims have free will? You make them do everything you make them do? It's a mixture of both. Okay. I was just trying to see what type of ruler you were. Cause I mean, because I don't got time to be, I got like 10 Sims. If I'm over here dealing with so-and-so, I need you to be able to fend for yourself and not die. (laughs) They're going to find, they're going to put themselves in the corner. They're going to set something on fire and not be able to get out. The chair being away, they can't get, oh my God, they be pissing me off. Anyway. I haven't played in a long time, but. I just played this weekend. (laughs) I have a whole town. I reverse gentrified my sims and i kicked all of everybody out and put black people and other people of color in all the houses like on yes. <laughs> but anyway sims be taking home. up too much time in my life and i feel like it does if i was to go back down the rabbit hole i would never get anything done you wouldn't this and is so why i dedicate days to it i just haven't gone back 
because especially if you play with CC and mods, like, oh, it's, it's a wrap. You got to dedicate a whole day to that. Have not gone back. Whole time during class, Peter ain't even listening. He's too busy staring at Bridget's booty and texting his friend about smoking later. We find Charlie outside. You know, she's just smashing another chocolate bar. This girl love a chocolate bar. As she walks up to the bird from earlier with a pair of scissors from class and cuts the bird's head off. Right after stashing it in her pocket, Charlie turns around to see a woman across the street in the parking lot. As the woman makes eye contact with Charlie, she gives her a little wave. Let's rewind. So when Annie is in her office, I notice that like she pulls out two rugs. One has like her name on it and the other one has Charles. So at first, because Charlie had just said that the grandma wanted her to be a boy, I thought that like, Johnny, you make blankets. I'm not saying you're in a cult, but you make blankets and other things. You know how you just made Tiffany a blanket for her baby. And obviously it was for a girl. Yeah. What if Tiffany had had a boy? I would have remade one. I was wondering, was like, she hoping she had a boy and she made this rug for Charles, thinking the baby name was going to be Charles. But Annie's brother's name is Charles. So I think that was the rug made for him, not her. To the apparition, this scene, this was the first of many scenes in this movie that actually got me because there's no like sting. I like that this movie, as far as the, um, I don't know, like if I could call them jump scares, because the jump scare would have to be accompanied by a loud noise. And this movie doesn't do that. We get like one moment where we, mm, maybe two moments where you can classify them as jump scares in this movie. But the rest of them is just like, if you catch it and you see what they're seeing, and that's also another thing I like, you see the characters react to whatever the horror is before you actually see what it is. So you see Annie's face, like looking in the corner, you just see her looking like, what the fuck is that? And you like, well, what the fuck is she looking at? And then you look, and it's so dark that you trying to see what she looking at. But then when you do finally see her mom there, you're like, oh shit, is that her? And you don't know, like the mom about to like do some, 3D digital face or something. And she doesn't do anything. She just stands there. But for me, it works because had they done like something where the mom run towards her or some loud noise, that would have ruined it for me. I don't know about you guys. I just want to say, let my mama have been in some secret ritual shit. I would have been all up in them books. Like if you die (laughs) and you got secret, I would want to know. It's just the way that both of us just stopped. Like, now, wait a minute. I would want to know. Like, what you mean in them books? Like, you want to study these books? Or you, like, trying to be nosy? Want to be nosy? What you know what you're doing? Like, she just literally said, my mom has secret rituals and secret things and secret friends or whatever. Yeah. I would be curious. Like, what the fuck was you in here doing? I, I understood why she wasn't curious, too, after she had a chance to explain what she was bothering mm-hmm. about. I was yeah, like, yeah, I would be away she from She just you don't people. want nothing to do with her mm-hmm. mom. She was like, pack that up and I keep I it I understand that too, but I'm still nosy, so I want to know. She, she really did not like her mom. Peter's classroom scene, I also wonder, was this supposed to be a, you know, the classic classroom scene? But what makes me kind of question this a little bit is Ari Aster is not a horror fan, like, at all. He does like Carrie. He admitted it. It's in out. It's in the show notes. Y'all can go check the proof for yourself. But yes, he does like that movie. But as far as like putting things in movies that would make you think like, oh, this is from this, this is from this. I don't know if he has that horror knowledge. Like, 
any of the survivors, if you understand what I'm saying, you can weigh in on this on Twitter or wherever you want to comment at, but I'm not sure. Like, I guess this was supposed to be like that classic classroom scene because the teacher is talking about like, uh, not Socrates. I can't think of the dude name, but he's talking about all of that. Just talking about like, is this fate or do they have a choice on what's happening? And of course he's not listening. So that's of course what would be happening in the scene the person that it's about is not receiving the message but I just also want to know why you have scissors sharp enough to cut off a bird's head in the classroom (laughs) yeah that was a clean cut like no struggle no nothing just well my good sis Charlie y'all gotta remember her and her mama they be working with these miniatures they know how to make stuff work them scissors probably wasn't even that sharp that's very true Charlie was like I do this at home yeah she probably (laughs) Like, it just happened way too snip, way too easy. And then just stuck it in her pocket, no blood. Right. Nothing. It was, like, you seen the guts a little bit, but that was just it. She just stuck it right in her pocket. But speaking of that scene, when she sees the woman across the street, now that I've told you guys, I think of it, well, not think of it, because I'm pretty sure that that's not even Charlie. That's fucking payment. Charlie left as a baby. Um, Like, I feel like... I don't know how to describe it, but when you see Charlie's face, what if these moments that we get with Charlie are equivalent to those final moments we get with Peter? They just aren't as dramatic with Charlie. Like she's going through it by herself and it's not like the family is in on it yet, like how it was with Peter. Does that make sense? Yeah, like they didn't really know it was happening yeah. to her. Yeah, like, because she's seeing, like, she's she seeing these co-members just looking at her, smiling at her. She's like, nobody else see this shit. Am Ooh, I yeah, going that? That makes sense with the whole yeah. blue, the blue sparkle thingy thing. Annie notices her mom's door is open to her room. Why? When she goes in there, there's a triangle pointing to the northwest and dang near burned and etched into the ground. Knowing it's kind of a lot to add, she has Steve lock the room. Once he does, the cemetery calls to inform him Ellen's grave has been desecrated. He keeps this from Annie, telling her it was only about billing. And later, Annie heads out for a movie, but is really going to a support group. After some encouragement, Annie reveals that the rest of her family suffered from mental illnesses that resulted in their deaths. She details that her mother has DID and dementia. Her father died from starvation when she was young, and her brother committed suicide at 16 and left a letter blaming Ellen that she was trying to put people inside of him. But... This was written off after doctors claimed he had schizophrenia. Amy goes on to detail how she kept Peter away from her mom as Steve enforced a no contact rule between the two, but ended up feeling bad. So when Charlie was born, she basically handed her over. She ends by saying that she feels blamed for everything that has happened in the family, but cannot explain why. Okay, let's stop right here. Another thing, I just said this a few seconds ago. I feel like when Annie went into the bedroom, looking, you know, seeing her mom's like, why the fuck is this open? There's a mirror. Like there's a mirror on both sides of the room. I feel like they easily, any other studio, Blumhouse, would have been like, put a jump scare in there. Put something in the mirror. Make it, do something like that. I like that literally nothing happens at all. But one thing I do want to point out, I have no idea if this means anything. If you look, there's a little teacup sitting in the grandma's window. 
And a few times, I'm just going to bring this up now because I think this happens around this time that we see a picture of the grandma feeding Charlie with a bottle. I don't know if you noticed, yeah. but the bottle has like black shit at the bottom. Like there's black stuff at the bottom of the bottle. So that's why I was saying, you know how Annie was like, she wouldn't let me feed you. She had to feed you. I think it's a metaphor. Yeah, I don't that. think that the granny was literally like giving Charlie her titty. Like, I don't even know how that would have worked out. Because, all right, so this would trip me out. When she was in the meeting and she like finally like got to talking, yeah. um, she said, I gave her Charlie. Yeah. I'm like, as a parent, first off, what you mean you gave your grant? Your, your I'm like, what? I guess to raise her, take care of her. She's like, because I didn't want her to have him. Because now it's just seeing it like, I guess she was prepping that uh, middle passage for yeah. the the demon until he could get to the right. Board, That's exactly you know? what it was. I think so. When when um, I tried so hard not to call this woman Tony during the Krampus episode, we kept going Tony, Sarah, Tony, Sarah. But and yeah, Annie. I think what she meant was like you know how. I don't have kids, but you know how you have a kid, you have a kid and they probably have some type of relationship with certain family members, but there might be one family member that might not have gotten that relationship with them. So now you have another kid and those two are able to have a different from relationship from that other kid. That's what I think she meant, because yeah. if they had a no contact rule when Peter was there, Peter definitely ain't had no relationship with Ellen. And I think that plays a role in why Peter really wasn't affected when you know ellen died which is crazy yeah. though because we kind of glossed over that um actually no put a pin in that we'll come back that's a conversation for another part of the movie but i think that does contribute as to why peter does not have those strong feelings as does charlie when it comes to her grandma dying she's like yeah like you know like this was the person that was taking care of me she was doing this she was doing that and now she's not here so now i'm left with you nick nogs now what we doing? Yeah, she, wasn't <laughs> she wasn't. She out. was not. She's baby, I'm out. So I just think like it was one of those things like she was definitely grandma's baby in so many words. But yeah, I don't, you know, sure. grandma. Well, from what I get from the movie, grandma just started living with them when she got sick. So I mean, I guess grandma was always around when Charlie was a baby, but then she really started living with them. So who knows what the fuck she was doing then when she was in that house? Because before we don't. Yeah, and based off her room, her her room is empty, and she ain't been in the ground that long. So I don't see them like cleaning yeah, out her room. Her room was empty. Let's get into the support group scene. This is the first scene where I'm just like Tony. I don't know why you didn't get no major awards. I am pissed for you. She got some awards for this movie, but she didn't get the ones that she should have got, and that's because they be hating on horror. But when she starts talking about um, her father and her brother, from what we know now, you realize that nobody was ever suffering from any type of mental illness. Like everybody was plagued by demons. This is why everybody was acting out, and of course you know, like to a doctor or anybody that diagnoses people with those type of things, they're going to be like, oh yeah, this is schizophrenia. This is bipolar disease. This is dementia. This is Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Depression. Right, no, this is something serious. Y'all just can't explain it. So y'all just going to write it off this way. So this is why nobody batted an eye at it. Now, one other thing I want to point out, did you guys notice that Joan is sitting right there in support group with Annie? The first time we see her like go in there, like Jonah's just sitting. Right there. I didn't pay no attention to her the first time, to be honest. Yeah, she's just sitting right there. She just until she doubled like this. Yeah, I 
I was like, dang, she just played like a normal the background. The entire kid. time, like the entire time, because I didn't notice her till, okay, I think I've seen this movie either four or five times, and I know I didn't notice it till the second time that she was right there, but it was only because of her hair. But I was like, oh, mm. they was they literally planned this whole thing out. They said, we're going to get you one way or another, sis. Back home, Peter is texting his friend about going to a house party while on his Bruno Mars smoking out the window. As he does, we can see someone else, you know, blowing breath back. The next morning, Charlie is in her room tinkering with her miniatures when a blue light enters the room. Once she notices the light, she follows it outside to the back of the house. Following another set of footprints, Charlie sees her grandmother standing out back in front of a fire. Back inside, Peter asks his mom if he can attend a barbecue, a.k.a. the um, bring your own dick party. I don't know if y'all saw that text messages when he was like, bring your dick. Do boys really talk to each other like that? <laughs> yeah, I was I was throwing on by. I didn't know what they was talking about. I'm like, where is this going? Loki thought he was gay because in the class at first they were yeah. talking about some something about the jack my dick. Let me take pictures. Like, what? Who says? Okay, that? now I will say this. I when I was in high school, middle school, I do remember boys doing stuff like that, but I never understood it. But like, I don't know. Yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> that one I don't know anybody who me. does that. <laughs> but like. Um, the boys like they would do ball taps and stuff like I don't know what they was texting each other but I know they would like say <laughs> random stuff to each other I don't, I don't know like I don't, I don't like ball yeah, taps? they would like what? randomly be like and just that's uh, that's weird <laughs> like nut check like that y'all never heard mm-hmm. of nut check okay never mind. No. well I mean no. I'm not a boy so I wasn't mm-hmm. part of this I just just what I was witnessing but all right <laughs> sounds a little sketch <laughs> Since Peter is such a terrible liar, Annie suggests that he take Charlie with him. Looking for Charlie to get her ready, Annie finds her out back and begins yelling at her, but seems to not even notice what Charlie is seeing. Okay, let's stop right here. So this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This is Payman. Um, Payman said, baby, one way or another, we're going to figure this out. Charlie, real recognize real. You see me. I know part of me is in there already, but this is the other part. So just follow suit, honey. Get ready. I'm about to show you some shit. So let's go to Peter and Annie's conversation. I'm just like, Peter, she was giving you an out, sir. She said, is there going to be drinking at this party? And he was like, no. She was like, oh, well, that sucks. (laughs) She was giving you an out to say you were going to a party. You just kept lying. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I'm just like me at 16, I was immaculate with putting the pieces of the story where I needed to, to tell my parents where I was trying to go without telling them where I was going. And I don't know if it's just because their relationship is strained. I would have said that wasn't going to be alcohol either. I mean, first of all, it's a, well, okay. First of all, he says, I'm going to a party. But she asked like she already knows. Yeah, like she asked like I know. And then she even says, well, that sucks. Like, damn, y'all not drinking at my yeah, age. Because it sounded like she was going to let like, him go. If he said, yeah, she was going to say, well, you need to get picked up mm-hmm. or something like that. Because she was like, because he asked to use the car. And she was like, eh. right. I mean, I guess. he needs Yeah. It. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like had you just been like, yeah, like she probably would have said something. But I mean, clearly it seemed like she was with the shits because she was just like, OK, well, yeah, that sucks. Y'all not drinking. But. 
Mm. I am trying to decide, like, should Annie have made reverse psychology? Mm -mm. You was thinking. (laughs) No, I think she was literally just sitting there like, what did this little boy want now? He asking me for the card. I know you about to be drinking, but you're sitting here talking about you not. Okay, well, since you not take Charlie with you. And here's my thing. If you're going to send your daughter out, I kind of feel like at that point, maybe get the EpiPen, maybe make sure she got it. But also I'm like, should Annie have made her go? I just think Annie wanted her to like interact with other kids because Peter kept saying school barbecue, even though you ain't seen that nan flyer, you ain't got not no call about it, no emails from the school because y'all city look like the type of school that do emails. But I digress. I don't know. Seems like she just wanted a moment to herself, like no kids, everybody out of the mm-hmm. house. But she knows she couldn't really give really. I mean, even though Charlie could always go to the treehouse, but that's still not really out mm-hmm. the house, you know. Like she was just like, "Y'all go, like get get far away for a right. little bit." I can see that because especially you know, like she's still trying to sort stuff out herself, trying to figure out. Yeah. Left without a choice, Peter and Charlie go to the party. Once there, Peter sees Bridget and offers her some weed, some really good weed. Wanting to be alone, Peter leaves his sister unsupervised and Charlie eats cake with nuts and starts falling into anaphylactic shock. The crazy thing about it, the cake ain't have nuts in it. The nuts were on the counter. They used the same knife to cut the nuts that they used to cut the cake. That's where they got her fucked up. Okay, I see. I must have missed that because I thought... um... I saw her drink the water and I thought it was something on the cup. Mm-mm. It was the cake. Oh. Uh. Like when you first see them in the, cu- the kitchen before they cut the cake, they were using that butcher knife to chop nuts. And then it looks away, mm. they come back, they're cutting the cake. Yeah, Charlie, go get some cake. And I'm like, shit, they just used the same knife mm. to c- chop up the nuts. Uh. But there was no nuts in the cake. So that was actually a reaction. Yeah, she yeah, she was actually okay. having a reaction. Got it. I want to say this because I've heard people say, and I I realize that I just feel like I've lived a different life from a lot of people. I've baked cupcakes at a kickback before. That was not weird to me. I don't know about anybody else, but everybody was like, Y'all be baking when y'all do house parties. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. We definitely mm-hmm. have hit the cup, not like a full blown cake, but we've definitely made cupcakes. And cupcakes, when we've done that, they were already made like before the party even came. We did this like hours ahead. We wasn't doing it while the party was in tow. But parties I went to barely even had food. Oh no. We it had alcohol. We had alcohol. We had and it wasn't like food food. If somebody could get access to their mama food stamp cards and we was gonna get some chicken and fries, like you know, like a big little pan. But if that wasn't the case, then it was just like everybody brings snacks, which our teen college asses that meant bring chips and dip or mm-hmm. cookies it and it was stuff. just alcohol. You better yeah. have ate before you came or eat on the way home yeah oh no y'all live in unless we were going to my filipino friends and they were having a party because then they got the big ass roasted pig and all that stuff then you know we they, we had food but oh, well <laughs> another thing i just want to mention is okay i don't know if this is just me but anytime i see a person significantly younger than me and it looked like they not supposed to be here do i just feel like the unofficial guardian of said person is that just me does that make sense? I was going to say, yeah, no, nah, I definitely feel you. I, I know women feel like that's instant. Like, what the, what, what's this right. kid doing here? All right, let me make sure you're good, put you in the corner, something like that, X, Y, and Z. 
But nah, that's what I said too, because he looked awkward coming in. Like nobody noticed this 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 kid walking behind him. I got I I, I got younger. I got like a like a smart like ten mm-hmm. year from it. Or maybe mm-hmm. 11 but I didn't realize she was 13 yeah and I mean like it's just you know besides her being 13 she ain't got no friends there definitely had I seen her at the party I would have been even if I was a little lit I would have been like yeah little buddy just roll with me where your brother at oh he in the room smoking weed oh, okay this is the second thing now I'm not trying to incriminate any of my family members since we talking about it why you just ain't take her with you it just had her little ass sit down in the room. I'm just going to say it. You spray your ass down when you go back home. <laughs> I'm not being funny, but my sisters have yeah. definitely done that with me before. Like, I have either, either I've been with them and I sat in the car and they, like, were at the park and they was outside the car. Or, like, I was playing on the playground while they was doing it. Or it's been a few times that we have went over somebody's house and they literally had all the little kids. We was all playing in one room and everybody else was throughout the rest of the house. Why just ain't take her with you? I don't get it. Like I, would, I wouldn't have left my, 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 if I knew I had to drive, I wouldn't have left them, like, nowhere in the house mm-hmm. by themselves. I don't know, party no. like that. Not if it's just me and you and we drove that far. Because they was, like, the road they took initially, it was, like, dark. It was Nowhere to so I will like, say this, there is a, and like I said, I covered this, but it's a deleted scene where he mentions that the house is almost an hour away. So hell yeah, that's a long ass job, girl. You about to be my shadow. Like you about to be right behind me. Like if we about to come in this room and smoke this weed, you about to come get secondhand contact. Like that's just what it is. When we get <laughs> home, just tell mama, I don't know, there's barbecue and something. I don't know. Like I could see why they deleted that scene because yeah. I was wondering at first, but now when you see the scene itself in the actual movie, you can tell it depicted a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah, no, it's a lot of, um, I, and I will say this, I'll give you guys a little taste. Um, in that same scene, when Peter is mentioning that it's an hour away, Charlie actually is talking. Now we really don't get a lot of Charlie talking, throughout the entire movie but in this scene before they go in the house she's like I don't want to go in there can you just take me home like I will sit outside like she is so adamant about not going in this house like she's like I will sit in the car like just Mm. I don't want to go in there and like I said I think it's because Charlie is in the sunken place and she knows that her demise is coming and she don't want to fucking go in the house she knows like whatever is in the house is gonna jumpstart the shit and that's just what it is but they cut that scene out and I kind of like that they cut it out because um, if we would have had that scene, it would have made Charlie a different character because we really don't get her talking too much throughout the movie anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Peter, once this happens, Peter, high out of his mind, drives her to a hospital versus calling an ambulance to a party where there's underage drinking and drugs. Driving expeditiously, Charlie rides around in the backseat, gasping for air, leaning out the window. Peter swears to avoid a dead deer in the road, and Charlie is decapitated by a telephone pole, the same one that they passed earlier. And if you notice, it had the cult symbol on it. Mm -hmm. In complete shock, Peter... It's just ruined. He doesn't know what the fuck just happened. He's not even sure if that really just happened. And just to confirm, he silently drives home and leaves his sister's corpse in the car. Hearing this, Annie can be heard saying, oh, thank God they're home as Peter walks catatonically and alone to his room. Peter stares blankly in his bed until sunrise 
where Annie can be heard leaving to go get some balsa wood. Heading to her car, she discovers Charlie's bloody body and freaks the fuck out, confirming Peter's worst nightmare from last night. While the family grieves following Charlie's death and funeral, tensions begin to heighten between Annie and Peter. And we also see like, this is where we see Zaza's on the wall. In the party scene, let's just go back. So there's some things in this party scene we got to talk about. John, now you know we love to talk about extras on this show. I, don't I ain't know. looking at none of them. Okay, well, you didn't see it. But there's this one extra. He is like, it's the part where Peter walks up to Bridget and Charlie's behind him and he's talking about, I got some really good weed. It's this boy. Is my water bottle closed? Yeah. It's this boy. You could tell he has an empty cup in his hand because he just keeps doing like this. <laughs> I know survivors you guys can't see me but I know as dramatic as I am you probably know what I'm doing he's just throwing the cup back and just pointing at Peter and Bridget I'm like first of all you shouldn't even be looking at them <laughs> why I hate when extras do that <laughs> like then like yeah man just fake drinking watching these people right act. they couldn't put no water in the cup to like give it some weight so he can actually be holding a cup of water or like have somebody stand next to him so he could talk to them or something like that but uh anyway now next thing i want to talk about when peter walks into the room those kids are watching videos of beheadings like is somebody getting decapitated with a guillotine yeah like so it's real quick. Oh, like that. you go past it, you see the guillotine come guillotine come down, and then you see Peter and Bridget walk in. And that's when he walk in and Bridget's like, he's got the weed. First of all, homie, I said we can smoke. I ain't say everybody in this room. <laughs> what the, girl, I would have walked out. Cause <laughs> no, baby. Are, do, are y'all playing it? We matching? That was family. Right. Treat. I'm like, no, baby, I brought this for me and you. So it's not right. everybody. But would you guys have called an ambulance to the party? Yes. Uh, yeah, EpiPen, allergic reaction. Yeah. yeah, somebody about to. Yeah, you're about to yeah. die. Like, yeah. yeah I think I would have. Yeah. I, I don't care about your party. And I don't know y'all for real, for real. So I would have yeah, called the ambulance. I think, because I see why he didn't. I would have called the ambulance, but I also think that I probably would have, like, drove somewhere. Mm-mm, I like, called. not, like, next to the house. Like, just, like, because I, I, like I said, I understand Because then why the question is, but then the question is going to be, how did she get nuts if you know she's allergic? I didn't know. She got them. I didn't know. Just like um, Casey from the children. I didn't see it. <laughs> I was not there. I don't know. I just know she was wheezing. We was leaving a party. Where's the party at? Oh, someplace. Undisclosed location. I don't know. I forget. And yeah, that would have been my story. But I don't know. It's like I get why he did it. But also at the same time, just like, ooh. Now let's talk about that scene. Was y'all expecting this to happen at all? No, I gasped. No. No, I didn't. And my son... (laughs) <laughs> was had his iPad on. I was like, "Oh, I'm about to say yeah. you subjected my godchild to watch this." <laughs> Listen, no, he was on his iPad. He has headphones oh on, but like, he was like, "Oh, daddy, you scared me!" And I was like, "I did not expect that." I was like, "That's when I was like, all right, I'm locked in." 
what, what you got for me? Bring the rest. Yeah, of because like I said, like when you watch the promos, like even like the cover art, she's on it. So you're thinking like this and it does still. But you're thinking like whole time, this is about to be the character that we following throughout the movie. Like it's going to be about yeah. her. You know, this is 30 minutes, 33 minutes into the movie. They off this child. Yep. And I'm just like, I, I wasn't. I said, that's what I said. I said, well. Where are we going? Where's the movie? Where's this going? <laughs> Literally. It's like, where's this, this going? Because like? like I said, I definitely got creepy kid vibes. I thought Charlie with her little, her little clicking noise she be doing. I thought we got to get yeah, Charlie throughout was... the whole movie. This was going to be our new grudge. Boom. And they killed her. I said, uh. I said, damn. And then I didn't, the first time I watched it, it didn't take me until maybe the third time I watched it that I realized they actually showed it. Yeah, they did. You literally see this girl head go boop. That's crazy. Now, one thing I do like is the scene that happens afterwards is literally how I felt. The way Peter felt, I felt the same way. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to drive. <laughs> and he just drove. He can barely like, formulate no. words. He can't even look in the damn back seat. Like, you don't hear Charlie choking. It's like, that just happened. Right. Like, you don't know what the f- just happened. So, I I know a lot of people have a problem with the way Peter reacted. Yeah, I do, too. Because. Yeah, I was like, yo, y'all that's, wild. That's why you not just think he was in, I just think he was in complete shock. I could see finally getting home and saying something. But I just think like he was just in such complete shock that he was just like, no, that shit did not happen. Let me just take my ass to bed. Charlie going to walk around the corner in the morning. I'm a, this must be some real good ass weed. See, when they show him pulling up to the house, I expected him to like start screaming like, mom, like, you know what I'm saying? But they didn't. He just like got in the bed. I'm like, bro, I, that weed was not that strong. Then, ain't no way. I'm like, that would have blew my whole like, heart, Why would bro? you just no. leave, let your no. mother find the child like that? Like, that was- like, I ain't gonna lie. Like, when that scene happened, I had to wait for the confirmation to, like, make sure she was yeah. Because I was like, oh, did she just hit her head? Like, dang, maybe she just clocked mm-hmm. out. And then I was like, oh, she Then they literally show you the head, like, on the side of. With the bugs on it. I said, oh, that's so crazy. So many things happen that you think is going to happen, but then it don't happen. Depending on the movie, you don't see the head. They would not show you the head. Or a kid in like that state. Usually they get the 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 the, the demon out of them and they'll show them like going through that, but never like. Right, they was like, you up. old enough to get casted, you old enough to get killed brutally and we gonna show it. All right, sign right here. But yeah, so one thing I do want to talk about at this point is the difference between Ellen's funeral and Charlie's funeral. So Ellen's funeral, we see that the entire family, they're just like, I mean, it is what it is. Really, the only person that's upset about this is Charlie. Even Annie asked in the very beginning of the movie, like, should I have been sadder? Like, am I? And Steve, you know, being a therapist, he's just like, I mean, you feel how you feel. You just do your thing. But when Charlie goes, that whole family just is different. Like, you can tell, like, they actually cared about this girl like annie screaming this i don't know what ari has to be doing and i know y'all haven't seen me at samar yet i don't know what ari has to be doing to these women but whatever it is he'd be doing to these women to get them screaming like this jesus he needs to be an acting coach because i like i was so convinced 
after a while that like she was really grieving this girl and this girl had died for real but you can just literally see the stark difference in the tone between the family between ellen's funeral and charlie's and even that scene where um i don't know if you guys noticed this when ellen i mean not ellen when annie is crying and steve is like comforting her there's lightning outside if you blink, you don't notice it, but the lightning's blue at first and then it turns white. That's the little payment thing like coming into the house. And I didn't notice it until this watch. I was like, is it blue? Why is it blue like that? Oh, it's the light. Oh, bet. And then we see Peter is just standing outside, still catatonic, not able to be a part of this grieving process. We don't even know what that confrontation was like. Was there even a confrontation? Clearly not. Annie just goes outside, sees the body, and that's it. Like, we never even talked about this. Like, we just know this is what, like, mm, it's just, mm. I just, I can never leave my mother to find the body like that. Like, yeah, I was just surprised that they even wrote that. I was like, that was heartless. That was, that was tough. When Charlie is getting lowered into the ground and the camera goes under the ground with the um, casket, Annie has a miniature, not a miniature, it's a sculpture, I guess, whatever you want to call it. They show it every now and then, but it's a house or sitting like on top of a pedestal. But if you look, there are two other houses that are like sunken under. I think that this is a metaphor for the three women in the family. They have a lot of metaphors, but I think this is supposed to represent them. So like there's a house all the way under the ground. I'm guessing that has to be Ellen. There's a house on top of that house. I would assume that's Annie. And then there's a house that's like, you can see is going under. Like at some point it's going to be under the ground too. And I guess that would be Charlie or Charlie could be the one that's in the ground already because she's dead. And Annie could be the one that's slowly descending down into madness. It could be either way, but I know that statue means something. I don't know if Ari Aster is ever going to hear this or anybody in that camp. But if I'm correct, please let me know because it's driving me fucking nuts. Maybe I should put it on Reddit. I got some Reddit links down there for y'all too because I found some interesting ones. As the days go on, Peter is plagued by Charlie's presence. At school, he looks up and sees the rearview mirror actually seeing Charlie's body from that night. And he even experiences his throat closing like his sisters did while smoking under the bleachers with his friends. That evening, Annie goes back to support group, this time for Charlie. But once she pulls up, she decides it's a little bit much and she's not going to attend tonight. However, as she's pulling off, Joan stops her, urging her to come in. Still not wanting to, Joan Moki forces her number onto Annie by sharing her grief after she reveals that she lost her son and grandson in a drowning accident. That night, Annie, not able to sleep, is about to leave to go sleep in the treehouse where Charlie used to sleep. Steve confronts her about it, but not wanting to argue, he just tells her, come back if it gets too cold. The next morning, someone places a flyer for a seance on top of the already delivered mail. Hmm. Meanwhile, Annie is upstairs working on her miniatures when Payman comes shining through the window and knocks over 
a little bottle of paint on Joan's number. Deciding to go, Annie stays for the tea and also starts spilling some tea, detailing what it was like seeing Charlie's bloody body that morning and that she used to sleepwalk, recounting the incident in which she woke up in Peter's bedroom to find herself, Peter, and Charlie covered in paint thinner with a lit match in her hand. Okay, so time out. First of all, poor Peter. I feel so bad for this kid. Like, first of all, even at the funeral, like, he couldn't even, like, be with his family. Like, he was literally an outsider at his own family's event. And seeing him, like, not even be able to focus in school, like, um, there's a scene when he rides his bike back home before Annie leaves to go to support group. And you see him literally have to like muster up the courage to walk in the house. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever done that before. Like before you walk into a building, you just got to sit there and just be like, okay, let's do this. Okay. And I've never felt like his acting in this movie. I know there's parts that people have issues with, but even those parts, I think people got to get over that because I think he did exceptionally well in this movie, just conveying all of those feelings i don't know how you guys feel about them but i'm on team off rip i thought that johnny was fucking weird and there was something off about her and she needed to be watched her trauma bonding was a little forced very forced yeah i when she tried to like force it upon her i was like uh oh yeah my son and my 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 son and my grandson mm -hmm. died i was like dang she said she was good (laughs) i was just like um, she coming on a little bit strong, but I still didn't see where it was going yet. I knew she was doing something. I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, mm, she too nice. Yeah. When Annie verbally has to say Charlie died when she's like telling Joan what happened, you can tell like it's the first time she ever had to like actually say it out her mouth. And that's what huh, Tony is so good. Oh my God. I'm a fangirl of Tony. But it's like when she's saying that she's like my daughter died. De- like, damn, like, this is actually real. Like, she really not here. It's the first time she ever had to mention it. Let's talk about Steve. Because I feel like Steve went through so fucking much. Man, talked listen, about it. his lines were short and brief. He's like, all right, you want to go sleep in there? Make sure it's warm. All right, come back. And then even when, um, like, he had finally, like, snapped, it was so lax. He was like, well... Dinner's on the table. Shit, you can do it how you want to do. And then he just like stepped off. And I was like, damn, I feel bad, man. I'm glad you agree with me because there are some people I talk to and they think like he was more of a weak character because he really didn't do too much. But I'm like, there wasn't too much that he could do. Right. And even in the grand script that I told you was like three hour cut, they gave him a lot more. To three do. hours. Yes, girl. He has confrontation with Annie. He has confrontations with Peter. He has longer conversations with Charlie. But I'm kind of glad they cut that all out, though, because if you cutting them out, in my opinion, in the movie that we get. He seems like the Libra, me. He seems like the Libra of the group that just wants to keep everybody on a level playing ground. The cuts where they give him more to do makes him a lot more assertive. And it, it, it just doesn't hit the same. That's all I can say. It just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. That you would think you would want, but... I was team Steve. I was Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just me, but as soon as I seen that rug in front of Joni's door, I would have been like, 
And she even said, she was like, my mom makes rugs like these. And Joan is like, oh, that's funny. I would have been like, where you get this rug from? <laughs> she was too aloof for me. Like, I would have been like, where you get this from? Because here's the other thing, too. My nosy ass, like I said, would have went through all them little books that my mom get that was my mom's. So I would have been new that she knew my mother because I already would have seen her picture and all the stuff because I would have looked through it. And they did try to hint off the photo book the first time yeah. of the book. But she like she like just breezed past it, but they like paused on it for like an extra three right. seconds. Right. And she just ignored it right before she sees her mom in the office. She just was like, oh, okay. I don't mm-hmm. know. All right. She wrote me a letter. We just gonna close this up. But this is also where um when you know Annie is trauma bonding with Joan and Joan gives her some tea, we see the same black herb that was in Charlie's bottle on Annie's finger. And me. Mm-hmm. I probably want to thought twice about it because sometimes I have overboiled my tea and the bag is busted and I just have to deal with it. <laughs> so I just would be like, oh, well, this bitch don't know how to make tea. Right. I've actually busted tea bags on accident by like pouring the hot water in the thing and then the shit bust. It's, mm. it's the worst. It, and it's like, I don't want to waste this. But also, I don't have a strainer anymore. So what are we going to do? <laughs> I guess we just don't have to take tiny sips so I don't get none in my mouth or anything. Ugh. That night, Steve walks into Annie's office to let her know dinner is ready when he sees what she's currently working on. A neutral view of the car accident, as Annie calls it. Steve, very concerned about Peter's feelings and his own, hello, ask her, why would she even make something like that? But Annie doesn't seem to see anything wrong with it. Okay, let's stop right there. Um, I understand that this is how she copes with things because it's as you see like all of her literally all of the miniatures that I'm assuming is for this art gallery has something to do with her and her family like you see the hospice with her mom laying in the bed and the doctor you see the little breastfeeding scene you see that one where she moves the grandma around and she's like watching her and Steve sleep then um of course like this car accident one and I'm just like girl this is hella detailed for you to not have been there yeah, it was the exact image. And I was like, this one definitely ain't like your other ones. Like, you had another level. I mean, yeah, you did see your kids that day, and you did see Charlie after. So, yeah, you did know what she had on, and you know what Peter had on. So, I'm guessing Peter must have had told her what happened, because that's the only way you would have, like, been able to do that. And, I mean, it is her car. So, I mean, I guess it does make sense to why it's so accurate. But it's like hella accurate she had to splatter on the pole (laughs) this was the model they used before they shot the scene they was like okay so it's supposed to look like this just like this miniature so that's what we're doing out here today make that work poor steve i just want to know what he thought like nobody thought about steve like what he was gonna think seeing his nobody ever thinks about the man they didn't even i was like what was his reaction he was just i was like man he really holding it together at least trying to for everybody else like you see him show a little more emotion, but he's just like, girl, like, I I thought he was going to get a pass because he was, like, really nice to Charlie, too. I just poor Steve. <laughs> like, I don't know who I feel the worst for. Like, I think I really feel the worst for Steve because he married into this shit and he had no idea what was coming. Poor guy. None. 
Following this, at the dinner table, Peter is trying to start some conversation while Annie, on the other hand, is acting as you would when you got to be around somebody you'd rather not be around and your bones are a little petty. Peter, catching this shade, pokes the bear and boy, does the bear attack. Annie finally explodes, unleashing a wrath that a small part wasn't even meant for Peter, but he got all of that today. She lists how Peter never apologized despite knowing he didn't mean to kill his sister. And because he didn't, and because he didn't apologize, she can't find it in herself to forgive him, especially when they could have grown from this. Once she's done, Peter obviously hasn't had enough and delivers another blow, blaming Annie for forcing Charlie to go to the party when she ain't even want to go in the first place. About to start another round, and you could, oh, you could see her face. She was about to, oh, she was about to fuck his wife up. But he, he had a point though. But she, she actually looked like she was about to cry because she knew it. She knew she was guilty. She looked like she was about to cry. I don't think she was about to come back. And what about you? Though, because I feel like, like I said, Peter is the one that started it. He lied and was like, "This is a school barbecue." I honestly think that Annie really just wanted Charlie to get some social interaction with some other kids. I don't think she wanted that. I think she wanted to get the kids out the house. Like, yeah, I don't think she because she knew. Yeah, I don't think she wanted. Charlie to have social interactions. She was just like, "Oh, you leaving? Cool, take her too. I want some alone time." Yeah, it was like that. Un- it was like that unsaid agreement. All right, if you want my car and go to a party, mm-hmm. you're gonna bring your sister. So what you gonna do? Let us know. Do you think that this was some? I need some alone time, or do you think that Annie wanted Charlie to get some social interaction? If you are on, because she seemed like she don't even like her kids. Let me finish my pitch. If you are on Spotify. <laughs> Spotify now has polls and reviews. So this poll will be at the bottom of the Spotify episode. For everybody else who's not listening on Spotify, you can just generally answer the question on our Twitter or any of our other socials. Now, Jeanne was saying that you say she she I it seemed like she don't really like her kids. Like it, it love them. Yeah, can we talk about the pain? That's why I'm like, she was trying to save them. <laughs> like, we ain't got to that scene yet, but we can definitely talk about that. Like, she was trying um, to baby. I don't her interaction with her kids up to this point in the movie. I mean, it was too many deaths in, in what a four-week span. Yeah, and then span. like it don't seem like she down. really liked them for real. Not even from the scene of her with Charlie. Like, I got, if anything, if anything, Peter is the kid that be testing her fucking patience and she loved him, but that little motherfucker. Because he, she tried to kill them. She was not trying to kill him. <laughs> she was trying to save him. To her. So to she, him. Yeah. My mother's trying to kill me. They never got to talk about it. That's why she got this built up resentment because they won't listen to her. But she don't even know why she did it. I mean, I know we jump in the head, but she don't need, well. Yeah, she doesn't even know why she did that. Like, she was like, I didn't mean to do it, but she's telling them. like In her dream, she even said, I didn't even want y'all. FTK, fuck these kids. Because she knew, well, she ain't know, but she knew something was going to happen. She knew her mama was on that bullshit from what she did with her brother and her daddy. She was just like, nothing. So like I said, I don't think she really liked her kids for real. She wanted her alone time. She sent the sister out because she was like, oh, cool. You leaving too? One less child for me to have to deal with. I got some deadlines I got to get done. So get out the house so I can do what I got to do. And now she feel guilty because her son told her about herself. And she looked like she was about to cry. She didn't look like she was about to give him a piece of her mind. She looked like her ass was about to cry. 
Well, survivors, let us know what you feel, because obviously we're not going to go nowhere with this one. It's going to keep going in circles. <laughs> but, um, yes, I just, there's blaming on both ends, but I... Mm, I also want to say that I've seen that scene before, before the movie. I don't even know how I saw that scene. Because it's the best scene in the movie. That's why. Like, I don't know what I was watching, if it was a highlight video or something. I don't know. But when she started going off, I was like, I've she seen won her awards in that movie. Like she played, she she played her part. For a horror movie, she Yes, acted. they should have brought the wheelbarrow with the awards and been like, bitch, the, this is yours. Here you go. She was like, but no. You just had to do it. Fuck it all up. I was like, and oh. all I get is that fucking face on your face. And what a waste if we could have just, I don't we could have grown from this. Like, oh my, I know that. I know if I like stop playing, I know that monologue word for word. Cause it is just, I got chills. I got goosebumps on my legs just talking about it. I just be like, girl, I felt like I was in the dinner and I wasn't supposed to be there and I needed to leave. Right after this happens, Peter and Steve, they try, but the night is ruined. Can't nobody eat no more. It's, it's just over. The next day, Annie runs into Joan at the craft store. Joan goes on telling Annie about her experience with the medium who taught her how to contact her deceased ones. And of course, Annie doesn't believe this, but she does go to her house and Joan demonstrates the seance that actually works. Again, she is so fucking performative. Like all the act, all this extra shit that you trying to sell to me in the parking lot, it was too much. She was really laying it. She was thick. too gullible. She was laying it on thick, and I'm just like, no. Yeah. Yeah, and she she's very adamant. Again, same way, like I said, just same way she was adamant about her trauma. She was very adamant. No, no, no come on, you're gonna just. I'd be like, no, on. get the fuck away from me. You're weird. Right. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I'd have been like, um, I actually got something to do at home, but I think because. Annie, one, they trauma bonded. Two, Annie probably would be, want, well, Annie probably wants to be anywhere other than her house. And even though she probably don't want to be doing this either, she just said, you know what, let me just, <sighs> this is what happens when you make new friends, I guess. So, Annie spooked, especially after something blows in her face and rushes to leave. Joan manages to catch her giving her everything she needs to perform the seance, telling her she needs her entire family in the room when she does it. On the way home, Annie hears Charlie clicking from the back seat, but of course, Charlie is not there. All right, first of all, Joan had all the all the goddamn supplies in the back seat, <laughs> even though she already said like she had done this. She had all like the chalkboard was in the back seat, the cup, like all that stuff is right there in the back. They at the craft store. <laughs> right there you didn't see any of that that's true so that's then true. another part that kind of uh it got me a little bit and got me i mean laughed when um louis starts actually this is payment so let's just let's put this out in the air don is lying and even okay now even if she isn't lying they probably tried to put payment in her son and grandson and that shit ain't work and that's how they drowned. That's what I think. And they was like, oh, well, Ellen. That's why he's probably just chilling in Charlie for a little bit. And was like, once that accidental death happened, he's like, I, I need yeah, to yeah, figure something out. All yeah. right, Joan, your two didn't work. We're coming back to this one. All right, let's go. So um, 
this is payment that's like writing on the chalkboard. Joni is like all into it. She's playing her role. And then Annie was like, can we stop? We got to stop. And Joni is like, what? And exactly that tripped me out yeah. like, <laughs> that tripped me out i was like that was a funny moment she was like hold huh? up bitch i see me connected <laughs> with my dad grandson <laughs> wait a minute she's like wait hold on i'll be right back she <laughs> when joan was like you didn't kill her you can contact her i'm like girl don't tell me nothing else because you didn't do too much today the part when she looked under the table i would have did that too she was like how the fuck is you no this is too much, but nah. seeing is believing because later on that night, Annie has a nightmare where she finds a trail of ants leading to Peter's room. She finds Peter laid on the bed covered in ants. Terrified, she hears Peter's voice ask, what is she doing? Snapping out of her trance, seemingly. Claiming she's sleepwalking, Peter continues to ask Annie why she's afraid of him. This leads to Annie telling Peter that she never wanted to be his mom and did everything she could to have a miscarriage. During this intense back and forth, Peter and Annie become doused in lighter fluid as a match can be heard off screen, burning the entire scene, waking Annie up from the heated nightmare. Moments later, Annie can be heard reciting the words Joan gave her and then convinces her family to attempt the seance. The seance works a little too well with objects beginning to move and break. And Charlie, or, you know, who we think we hear is Charlie, is possessing Annie, terrifying Peter until Steve douses her with water. Annie awakens from the trance, unaware of anything that just happened. Ending the night, we see lift touch pandemonium on the wall. Okay, now let's talk about this nightmare because we had already been talking about it a little bit. Okay, it's supposed to make us think that she was sleepwalking but we find out that this is actually a nightmare and when it happens i feel like you know in your dreams like you're um you're not unless you're a lucid dreamer you're not really just in control of what's going on when she tells peter she never wanted to be his mom she immediately like it felt like she never wanted that secret to get out like she didn't even like was like well who the fuck said that oh wow that was me Oh, no. But this whole entire scene, like I said earlier, I feel like she was trying to save her kids. Now we understand why the fuck she had them doused in paint thinner because her fucking mom was crazy. And she was like, my mama not getting my kids, so I got to take them out this world before she do. That's what I feel. And that's love. Shoot. If my mama knows something bad coming, girl, you better take care of me before somebody else do it in the worst way. I'm cool with yeah, and she was that. taking her and she wasn't she was doused in paint thinner too so it wasn't like she was just gonna kill her she's gonna take she all she of was it. gonna take all of them out and leave steve now that would have been fucked up for steve <laughs> steve was gonna go by this business he was but you know so that's why i'm just like i don't know now i think she loved them kids i think she just couldn't like it wasn't too much she could do and uh, so this is where Peter starts with his crying. And I know a lot of people do not like his crying, but I just want to say, nobody sounds good crying. I think everybody sounds idiotic when they cry. So his crying, it didn't bother me too much. I just feel like 
it kind of progressed. Like you can tell the different cries and people got different cries. Like if I was super hysterical, I probably sound like a banshee. I'm sure. I don't know. I haven't heard myself in that element yet, but I'm sure like it didn't bother me too much. You guys. I sound like Tony Collette when I cry. Mm-hmm. When it's that real true guttural cry when I be in here by myself. Oh, Jesus. I know my neighbors be like, what the hell is going on over there? <laughs> this girl be talking about horror movies. She be listening to shit and now she's just yelling and crying. What the fuck? You need to call some <laughs> balloons dancing by her door and shit. Like, just Jesus. Bruh! <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That's crazy. Like, it be some weird shit happening over here. Like, do she upload that video to Patreon or the balloons outside my door? I feel like weird stuff like that only happened because you got a ring camera. <laughs> it only happened to people with ring And camera. I have a ring camera. I catch some stuff, but not like she be doing. Like <laughs> My note says Annie is a shit show, but I think that that happens before she goes to Joni's house. I don't remember why I said she was a shit show, but I said she was a shit show. I mean, she was stressed from the get-go. From the beginning of the movie, she never had like... No peace. Okay, this movie just... And it went. It just kept getting worse for her, and it, and 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 it, and it progressed over a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I just think the whole scene where Annie gets completely possessed because you hear a growl at first, you hear a growl, and then you hear Charlie's voice coming out, and Charlie's like, "I'm scared." First of all, Charlie was probably like in heaven or whatever the fuck she was and now she back here and she like what the fuck am i doing here like peter why are you what the fuck is my mom why are you screaming what the fuck is happening and i know steve was just sitting there like because he even looked under the table he was like how the fuck is she doing no absolutely not this is not what we doing today no he he needed to pull that plug because she was doing too much I mean, she was trying to show him. She's like, I got to make you a believer. I didn't believe it either. I did it earlier. Peter, unable to sleep through the night, is now in class, again, barely paying attention, but rightfully so. He sees a light on the ground, which looks like it can be reflecting off keys or a mirror until it bounces off the ground and travels through the room. This brings his attention to his reflection in the glass cabinet that's smiling at him, even though he's not smiling. Hearing Charlie's clicking, he freaks out and runs out of the classroom. He calls his dad to tell him that Charlie's vengeful spirit is after him. And Steve calls Annie, telling her Peter called him panicked, but Annie lost in her thoughts initially thinks it was Charlie. Frustrated, Steve chews her out a bit and hangs up on her, which, guys, I'm telling you now, do not ever hang up <laughs> on a woman. Just don't do it. Of course, uh, she needs. She he thought she was crazy. He was right to hang up on her because no. now you're endangering my child. Of course, this pisses off Annie as she expresses in her voicemail to him. The frustration boils as the art gallery calls, leaving a message. And while the message continues, Annie, you know, she has a little slip up, breaks one of her miniature chairs, and this just sets her off the goddamn deep end. And she fucks up her entire studio even though we only see four seconds of it she just fucks that like she said fuck a dead line i'm just tearing out it all this can go this is why i said she was a shit show she knew she was going down she knew she was dead she knew she was going down he's like no this is just too you know what i'll build another set 
maybe. I do like that the guy calling from the art gallery is actually Ari Aster. <laughs> I'm just talking to her. But uh, I just, I feel so bad for Peter because he's just going through it in class. Like, it's a blue light following me now. I'm seeing niggas smiling at me and ain't shit funny. What the fuck is happening? What is going on? Oh, it's too much. Yeah, we wasn't for him. <laughs> he didn't. We was not for him. <laughs> That poor guy. I'm just like, oh, poor thing. That night, Steve is getting ready to sleep on the couch, giving himself a few extra pills before lying down. Peter is already in bed when he sees Charlie in the corner. But as she clicks, her head rolls off her shoulders, turning into a ball. Sitting up, a pair of hands come from behind Peter's headboard, pulling him into the wall. During this, Annie hears scribbling and find Charlie's sketch pad in her room on her bed, just drawing on its own. As she gets closer, she can see all of the pictures are of Peter crying with his eyes crossed out. Finally hearing Peter, Annie goes in to check on him, and he is 100% certain that it was her trying to pull his head into the wall. Listening to him, Annie tells him to not tell his dad what he just told her. Annie, suspecting that Charlie's spirit has become malevolent, throws Charlie's sketchbook into the fireplace. But as she does, her sleeve starts to catch on fire, showing that she is connected to the book somehow. She retrieves it and starts to stump it out and immediately heads to Joan's apartment for some advice. Because what the fuck is happening, Joan? You did not say this shit was going to happen. But of course, Joan is nowhere to be found. And instead, we, the audience, are shown an empty apartment with the symbol of payment, along with a shrine with Peter's picture in the middle, again, eyes crossed out, and Charlie's miniatures with a figure and some other figures bowing to it, revealing that Joan is up to no goddamn good. And then I put in my notes, confirmation. I knew something was off about that bitch. (laughs) Again, I got to say poor Steve. He was like, I just want to get a good night's sleep. I'm going to take some more of these pills. At first, I thought he was going to try to unalive himself. And I was like, damn, that's going to be way too much. Please don't do this. Not tonight. At least, like, that's a lot. Like, I I think I knew something was up with it. Like I said, she was just very forceful from, from, from when she made herself known. Um, and then because, like you said, the first time she was revealed, she was like a background character, so you never paid attention. So her being introduced initially um, into the movie, like a little ways in, kind of made it seem like, okay, she's here for something else. Um, but once she started to piece together and the photos, and I was like, ah, okay, this is this is all starting to come together. Yeah, too. it starts coming together for Annie, too, because she starts putting two and two together finally looking down and just realizing that obviously her mom had to have made this mat because who else makes mats like these going back home going through Mm -hmm. her mother's possessions she finds the photo album and looks through it and it links joan to ellen Uh, see if she hadn't been so weird about her mom and her mother's death she would have been looked at all that shit and she wouldn't have got got but I'm not being, I'm not going to hold you. If I'm not fucking with you, I'm not about to look through your stuff. I'm not. I'm about to pack your stuff up in these boxes and they're going to sit there. Like, only reason I'm not getting rid of them is because it was your belongings and they about to go in this attic. But I'm definitely about to pack this shit up if I ain't fuck with you. Now, if it was somebody I messed with, 
then yes, I'm going to be looking at this stuff, reminiscing and then probably learning some new stuff. But if I ain't fuck with you, sis, like the only reason you stayed here was because I was all you had anyway. It was either this or hospice and you couldn't stay in hospice. You had to come here. So I can mm-hmm. understand why she ain't look at I it. I get it. But my personality, I'm trying to figure out why the fuck you was the way that you was. So this will give me a little insight. True. Especially with her family's back. Exactly. She also finds a book with information about a demon named Payman, who we've been talking about this whole time, who will inhabit anyone but wishes to inhabit the body of a male host. She also learns that her mother used her family as a sacrifice. And finally, it's all coming together. Steve is composing an email to Dr. Mason concerned Annie may need an appointment because... Like Johnny said, it's just a fucking shit show. When an email from the cemetery comes through with pictures of Ellen's desecrated grave showing that the grave has been completely dug up. But when Annie is looking through the photo album, I do want to say that I feel like production did a really good job of making these photos look real. Like, you know, usually when you see like photos in a horror movie and it's supposed to be like family photos, you can tell they like took those photos like maybe a week before they started shooting everybody's like the same age but these photos legit look old they had that uh that that like reddish color Mm -hmm. they have like yeah you know exactly what i'm talking about and even like just finding out all this shit about your mom because even when we look at i don't know if it was annie's rug or charles rug that has the payment symbols on it from the necklace. Like it's just two just sitting right there. So she's just like, now, wait a minute. And I think I like that when we see Joan, we never see her in like the payment symbol. Cause I feel like that would have been way too much. Like has she had the necklace or if that little box was open while Annie was there and she was able to see that. I thought that would have been like way too much before like she actually finds out what's going on. But Huh, this is what we're talking about. This is why this is in this theme for this month because Ellen, what the fuck? <laughs> why did you do this to your family? But anyway, in the attic, earlier we didn't mention this, but earlier Steve mentions that something is stinking up the house and no one can figure out what it is. What it ends up being is Ellen's decapitated body that Annie finds. With the cult symbol, the one that we were just talking about throughout the whole movie, on the wall written in blood. At school, Peter sits outside eating lunch when he sees Joan, of course he doesn't know who she is, across the street, just as Charlie saw that lady across the street earlier in the movie, but it wasn't Joan, it was someone else. This time, Joan is screaming at Peter to exit his body, but no one else seems to see this. Later in class, Peter is just losing it. Hearing clicking in the works when he finally just breaks, lifts his arm in the air in the same style as the payment staff, getting the attention of his teacher, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. He seems to be having a seizure or some type of episode, but Peter breaks and slams his head against his desk, breaking his nose. Annie, occupied with discovering the body, misses the school's phone call, prompting them to call Steve, who does answer and goes to pick up Peter. On their way home, Steve finally breaks down. I'm just like, and this is why I like that they took all those other scenes out, because it's just like everybody got a breaking point, y'all. And this was because <laughs> he looked at his son in that backseat with that broken nose and was just like, 
this is too fucking much. My son done already called me a few days ago talking about his spirits after him. My wife is fucking going nuts at home. My daughter just died. I just, this is too much. Like, I know I'm a therapist. I'm supposed to have it together, but bitch, I don't. So like, who is checking me? Like, Code I know, exactly. Annie meets them outside, exclaiming about what she saw, but Steve only stares ahead of the driveway. Annie finally notices Peter in the back seat, learning that he broke his nose earlier. And after taking him to bed, Annie shows Steve her mother's body, sketchbook, and the cult symbol written in blood. Now thinking Annie herself is responsible for all of this, being the reason you know she was always talking about going to the movies and doing this, Steve is completely done annie begs steve to burn the sketchbook so she can sacrifice herself to stop the haunting but steve decides he's not going to do this and she needs to get help like you know dr mason is ready to take you for an appointment let's go do it annie over him not listening to her snatches the sketchbook throws it into the fireplace and steve bursts into flames leaving annie completely mortified until payment jumps into her body possessing her on sight let's stop right there yeah i got mm -hmm. a question so why did he catch on fire i'm glad you asked that and i was hoping one of y'all was gonna ask me that because i love explaining this okay so remember earlier i told y'all to keep a tab that payment is the god of mischief payment likes to play fucking games okay so because steve is not a part of the bloodline they don't need him for anything true had when we seen it earlier, Annie was like on fire and on burning. This is making her think that she was attached to it. But if Steve had a thrown it in, I still think Steve would have burned because he just would have been like, oh, it's the person that throws it in the fire. So, yes, I'm going to burn you. But when Annie threw it in, payment was like, no, sis, we still need you to do more. Let's burn Steve. Because if you take Steve away, you don't have anybody for Peter to have in his corner you only leave peter with annie and you know peter and annie don't connect with each other so payment fucking around mm. basically is what it is got it i laughed at peter when he was all fucked up in the classroom oh wow yeah i i Damn. laughed i was like the fuck it was funny and i know i wasn't supposed to nah, be funny. He got that shit was hilarious he got that he was just stuck. Y'all want to hear stuck. something wild? Yeah. So you know how some people can like dislocate body parts? He can dislocate his jaw. And he dislocated his jaw for that scene. They like... Ah, that's why I got the drool. Yeah, they like taped his eye back. He dislocated his jaw. And, like, I mean, his jaw. And like I said, his hand, if you pay attention to his hand, I'm trying not to do it because I don't, don't know. His hand is in the same like position that the payment staff is in. That payment's holding on his camel like it's yeah. the whole thing but i do want to point this out because nobody ever talks about this i've listened to so many podcasts i've listened to so well watch so many youtube videos nobody ever talks about the boy that's recording this whole thing in the class <laughs> y'all didn't see that <laughs> nobody's nah, I didn't if you watch i was too busy laughing i think everybody's so busy paying attention to peter that it's a shot of the entire class and Peter's on the left side of our screen, freaking out still. <laughs> and all the kids are to the right. There's a boy in a blue shirt standing up with his phone like this. <laughs> 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 
recorded the whole thing and nobody ever talks about it. We're D180 is the first one to do it. <laughs> now you I'm sorry. Me. I can't help it. But I keep laughing at that scene. Like it was funny to me. And he just started fucking his face up on the desk. And I was just laughing. Like <laughs> And I I know I, I'm like, damn, I know how hard them school desks. Hard as too. fuck. Okay. Now I will say this. I do laugh at his friend. Cause first, this is why I cuss my friends out on a regular. Cause he gonna look at him and he really said he was like, Hey Peter, what are you doing? What the fuck? What does it look like? <laughs> what what do you see with your eyes? Like, do it look like I can actually speak to you right now? I'm being possessed right now. Thank you. <laughs> like it was just too fucking much. Like that whole scene. And they do, I think, I think they do show you a little clip of that in the trailer. But when you see the full scene play out, I'm just like, oh no, I wasn't prepared. Like this poor child just fucking going through it so i also want to talk about i do especially love how this movie subverts your expectation when annie brought steve to go look in the attic did you guys expect for the body not to be there and her just look crazy yeah i didn't think the body was for a split second until i saw the cgi fly in steve face when he opened the uh the The attic the the Mm -hmm. attic when I seen it, I said, oh, it's yeah. no Cause, And that's what I'm saying, because in any other movie, the cult somehow would have cleaned up that whole scene. It would have been no flies. And he would have been up there and been like, what body are you talking about? See, you'll ask me. You look, you're crazy. Yeah. And I like that they left it there. So now Steve, like, did you dig out the damn body? What are you doing? Like, who is that? And he, first of all, it was him. Like, who is that up there? Like, no, yeah, no that's boy. my mom. <laughs> Got the same dress on and everything. Like. Cause was that right? That was right at that was right before he almost pressed the send button on the email. So right? he gets he gets the email that the grave was desecrated. Phone call. This is when he finds that out, like after that happens. Yeah, but I thought he was writing like her doctor or something, yeah. like how she was yeah. like going crazy. He was writing her, yeah. he was writing that email and he was about to send it, but that's when another email comes in showing the grave. And then that's when uh, so he never fully makes the appointment, but it was about to be there. And I mean, he's a therapist himself. And, you know, there's a backstory in anything that I forget to say, survivors. It's not that I don't know. So you don't have to beat me up like y'all be doing. It's just that everybody knows this. So I don't have to say it. But since John and Shaquille have not seen this movie, I feel obligated to tell them everything. So basically, in that backstory of things I told you that Ari Aster wrote about all the characters, Annie and Steve met because she was originally Steve's patient. And because, you know, you can't date your patients, they stopped being patient. Child. Mm. Wasn't this a fucking movie that we don't watch that I liked? What was the name of that movie? Mm. Okay, now that makes a different story. What are you talking so... about, John Day? And I can't think of it, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> My movie with them in the woods. It's a fucking movie. Ruin me? Yes, there we go. <laughs> Ew. I'm thinking of the name. But basically, they was patient and whatever. And you see what happened to him. Yeah. He didn't try to kill her ass. Well, Steve wasn't on that. Anyway, no. Okay. But like I was saying, I just like that this movie does not do what you think it's going to do. Just like with those mirror scares we talked about earlier, they could have easily put a CGI ghost in the mirror or something. I'm just glad they don't do that. But we move. 
Peter awakens to a strangely dark house. First of all, time out. I hate when I take a nap and it's like at that point where it's about to sunset, but it was bright when I went to sleep and I wake up and it's completely dark in my house. That freaks me out more than anything because I, as much as I love horror movies, I tell y'all all the time I'm scared of the dark. I don't play with that shit. No. And so this already got me when he woke up in the dark. Once he wakes up and sits up, his mom is hanging out in the corner of the room unknown to him. Peter doesn't notice her swimming out the room as he gets up to go look for his parents. When he comes downstairs, he hears a loud clanging noise somewhere in the house. Details on that later. He finds his father's body and is completely shook. Again, Annie is up on the ceiling watching him. Hearing another click, He turns and sees the guy who was smiling at Charlie at the funeral, but this time he's butt-ass naked and still smiling. The guy slightly turns towards the corner where Annie is now hiding and dashes out the corner, chasing Peter into the attic, now decorated with candles and cult imagery. It's almost like that last scene in Carrie when Margaret White had all them damn candles around the house. How that shit didn't catch on fire, I don't know, but it looks like that. Soon enough, Annie is on all fours. Yes, this girl is like on the ceiling, banging her head on the attic door as Peter screams for his mommy to stop. Walking away from the door, a cult member is hiding behind him. I don't know if y'all saw the cult member that's like, yeah, had a mannequin. As he discovers another shrine where Ellen's body previously was, but instead it's a picture of him with the eyes crossed out. Thinking this has to be some type of fucking dream, he tries to wake himself up, but then hears squishing noises. Let's stop right here. I love this scene. Did y'all notice her in that corner the first yeah. time? Yeah. It took me a second. The first time I was trying to figure out why he's naked people around. I'm just like, what the fuck? Well, they were supposed to wear red cloaks originally, but Arias was like, if uh, I put them in red cloaks, that's going to be more mysterious. I want this coat to be out in the open as possible. Make them naked. Because right, I was why wondering, because like, it was like that split second cut screen, right? From I guess that light today, and then it like flashed. And I, because I, because as I was watching the movie, I kept like rewinding like certain parts that were like real yeah. quick. And I was like, where did like 15 butt ass naked people come from, and why are they standing outside? And I was like, are these spirits or real no people? people. And it's crazy because, like, in that scene, because the movie does that so much where it has a daylight scene or it has like a scene of somebody standing in one spot and it's like a light flicker. Uh And so at this point in the movie, you're not expecting to see 15 motherfuckers standing outside the house. I didn't. And at first, when you see it, if you miss it, it's because they look like the trees. Like when you think about it, because you only see Mm -hmm. one half of them. And then I'm like, I just, okay. I just want to see a different version of this movie from like the cult's view. Like, did somebody show up like Justin? It was like, bitch, get naked. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was just so creepy. Pure he form. was standing in the doorway naked, smiling. I really thought this was about to go left because why the fuck are you standing in the doorway naked with your dick out, smiling at me? He was like, this is my God. I'm just I'm being this is weird. I'm worshiping you now. I also like um, going back to when Peter comes downstairs and we just hear like that clanging noise. Uh, well, I mean, we already in spoiler territory, but that's actually Annie pulling the piano wire that she's going to use later. I don't know if y'all even know what I'm talking about. But 
Mm. Peter walks downstairs and it's just like this big ass clang and he just looked like, what the fuck was that? And you never find out what it is, but it was her pulling the piano wire. Also like, because people don't pay attention and people was like, okay, but I would have smelt my dad's burning body. Well, bitch, his nose is broken, so he can't smell shit. So now- Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. This movie is so smart because yeah, like, yeah, I would have smelt burnt human flesh all through that day. That house probably smells terrible, but he can't smell anything because his nose is broke. The amount of therapy that that child would need if he didn't get possessed. Listen, so then I also like that the naked guy signals him to look at Annie because when you first see the naked guy, he's like face like this. And then the second time you see him, he's like just slightly like this. And Annie's just like right there is no musical sting. Like once again, like the music throughout this entire movie, again, getting goosebumps. I like there's like this like and it goes. Like- OK, so I had to keep pausing my TV. Mm. because you know that my neighbors are rude and they just be having the music blasting all the time Mm. so I had to keep pausing the tv because I'm thinking damn are they blasting music what is this bass but then like every time I paused it it would go away and I was like oh that's the movie Mm -hmm. and I like because it kind of like lets you know that shit was going down because this one part I know I wrote it in here somewhere, but it's one part where the music starts and it does not stop. I think it goes all the way to the end of the movie. I want to say, I feel like I wrote it in my notes and if I see it, I'll bring it up, but I can't remember. But this is also where I like that Peter's cries. At first he's like, mom, stop. Like, mom, what are you doing? And he just starts saying, mommy, like you, this nigga is truly scared. Like I would be fucking scared too if Andre was fucking knocking her head on the attic wall. I'm like, girl, like, why are you? Girl, I laughed at that part. <laughs> I just, her head was going so fast. That's why I was so funny. I was just like, what the fuck? It, it looked so real. Like, I'm just like, this is a lot. This is too much. Peter stares terrifyingly as he sees his mom staring back at him as she levitates and beheads herself with the piano wire. As naked coven members look on, Peter just over it, completely throws himself out the window. And as he lies on the ground, a light enters his body as a shadow passes by. To clear it up for some, no, Peter did not die from the fall because if he died, Payman wouldn't be able to possess him. And I say this because Annie's brother, when he unalived himself, if this was the case, Payman just could have took his body over and we wouldn't even have this movie. So no, Peter is not dead. He also falls in mud. He's fine. He's just possessed now. Walking past Maxie's dead body, which is the dog. I forgot to mention the dog. We've seen him in the very first scene, but yes, the dog dies. He follows Annie's headless levitating corpse into Charlie's treehouse where Charlie's crowned severed head rests atop a life-size mannequin. Joan and other coven members and the headless corpses of Annie and Ellen bowing to it. Peter looks around the illuminated treehouse, dazed with slight confusion, more than he's actually, you know, kind of scared after seeing a photo of his grandmother with a frame that says Queen Lee, confirming that she is in fact married to Payman. Joan stands up addressing him, revealing that this is actually Charlie, not Peter. Joan continues to swear an oath to Charlie as payment, stating that he has been liberated from his female host. And with that, 
Joan crowns Charlie Payman as the headless bodies of Annie and Lee turn to face Charlie Payman as the cult voices amplify. Because first of all, it's only like eight mofos in there with their booty hose in the air. But when you hear them start to say hell Payman, it sounds like it's like hundreds of voices praising their demon king who is now free to rule over them. All right. Naked people in the corner took me out. Like, I laughed when they were just like, hi, and he jumped out but the window. But that's the lady that Charlie saw. That's the same. But, but I'm saying it's, it was funny. I laughed because yeah. they was like, hey. He's like, ah, and jumped out the window. I had to keep rewinding it because it was funny. I'll say, like, I seen when they first, like, because, you know, they always kind of, like, glance at what's going to come next. So they kind of, like, put, like, a quick, like, little, like, reference to mm-hmm. the window. And I said, I was like, he only got one way out of here. And that's through that window. And I didn't really think he was actually going to run through the window. So when he hit the ground, I'm like, oh, damn. Like, I'm like, damn, he just died like that. And then I said, nope, they possessed. Yeah, I definitely did not think he was going to jump out that window. But I'm like, because, and that's the thing you're always screaming at horror characters. Like, I would have been up and out that window. And when he did it, I was like, oh, shit, he really went up the window. The only thing I didn't like, though, was the floating head to the treehouse. Mm-hmm. I was like, where did the floating come from? I think, like, I think that, okay, so payment, the way payment gets out of a body is through beheading. So Ellen got beheaded, uh, payment got out that way. And payment was already in Charlie, but to fully get out, he had to get out of Ellen and was in Charlie. Then Charlie got beheaded, payment got out and was dancing around and was trying to make somebody between peter and annie so that's why it's causing all this shit trying to make somebody between peter and annie more vulnerable so he can like get inside of them because that's the only way he can get in so the way he Mm. got inside of annie was when steve burned up because at that point her whole world was fucked up so that's why you see that light like come over her and her face drops Mm -hmm. from mortified to just possessed then once um annie beheads herself first of all okay i will say this when she was sawing herself and she started going faster, that kind of yeah, because I said, did he lock her out of there? How did she get in? Now like, that's payment. That's not Annie no more. Yeah, <laughs> true. With, I'm like my man just teleported. Yeah, she up. teleported up there. So when she started beheading herself, because when Peter jumps out the window, you hear the sawing get faster, and you just hear Annie's head mm-hmm. drop. And yep. payment is carrying the body to the treehouse to let Peter know that he's supposed to go in there. Oh. So almost, you know how Chucky can like divide his soul and be in different bodies. Mm-hmm. Payment can do this too, apparently. But this whole last scene gives me chills. I just do not like, I think what it is, is um, like I said, when Peter goes into the treehouse. He seems like, well, okay, now we know this is Charlie Payment. So when Charlie Payment gets to the treehouse, it seems like that mission complete moment. And from what I read about Payment, when Payment arrives, you hear bells. He's accompanied by a band and you hear horns and bells. And the music reflects that. And when Joan is like, you are Payment, you just see like his face, like his face is like, oh shit, we pulled this off. Like we did this. Like I'm really in this bitch. I'm finna 
damn, y'all did it. I'm about to reward y'all. Like, this is really happening. But I think that's like the most fucked up part about it because this whole family got fucked up for a demon. And this is my thing. Who's getting the money? Who's getting the riches? We all did. The cult. Yeah. The cult. Who take care of this boy? <laughs> this, you told me if I brought you into this world, I was supposed to reap the, the riches. Am I reaping the riches in hell? Grandma set them up. Grandma knew exactly what was going to happen to her family. That's why she apologized in that note. This to is her why daughter. she's wild, and this is why the fuck she's on this list because she is the wildest one out of all of them. Because, girl, like you couldn't just like you ain't got no old money. You white. You ain't got no old money. No, like you just greedy. Like you have to do all of this to fuck your family up for some money. Even in your afterlife, you're like, well, I already know what's going to happen. When right. I'm right. For some damn. like, because, OK, so Payman is a he, like he's into the arts and he has like otherworldly knowledge. Like he knows all the secrets of the world. Y'all want to know that shit that bad? Like it probably ain't even all that. With that being said, this was hereditary. I cannot believe we just got through that movie like that. I'm pretty sure I said everything I can have to say. I do have a few theories, but before I get into my theories, I want to know what you all thought about the movie. Um, as soon as the movie went off, I said, I don't get it. Um, ciao. Jesus. And then I text my friends and I was like, I'm confused. <laughs> anyway, so what are you confused about? I mean, I'm not. I just, I just didn't get it. I was like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" <laughs> I mean, after I talked, that to, was the, that was the first thing I said. Like after I talked to one of my friends, Julissa, about it, like she kind of explained, and she was like, she went on deep dives and she read some stuff. So I looked at one article, and I was like, "Okay, I get it now." But at the after it, I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> so I said, the first thing I said was, "What did I just?" Yeah, because you definitely text me that, and then I. I was like, what did I just watch? And then this, the second thing I said was, it didn't need to be two hours long. I feel like they could have accomplished that in maybe 145, maybe, you know, 145 runtime. I feel like they could have accomplished that because um, it was a lot of slow moments, then up moments, then, you know what I mean? Um, some of that beginning part could have been shorter, I feel like. Um, but it did keep me like grasping because it wasn't your typical horror movie, um, you mm-hmm. know, with the jump scenes and scares and all of that. It was just more so like you got to pay attention. You know, I never really had to like rewind a horror movie before to kind of catch some of the stuff. So right. I did appreciate that part about mm-hmm. it for sure. I think, uh, well, we all see how I feel about this movie, but I, um, I don't think a minute was wasted in this movie. And I feel like if they cut any more out, I don't know. I think it would change a lot of the things because all of the lines, they come back in some way. They either telling you info that you need to know that you don't even realize that you need to know. And that's why I do enjoy this one because if you muster up the strength to rewatch it, you notice so much more. Like even... There's this one thing that people are arguing about and survivors, we can tussle about it. I have picture evidence that has changed my mind, but one of his friends is in the cult and they're in the treehouse bowing at the end. If you guys notice, it's the friend that has the black hair with the man bun 
hold on, let me show you guys the picture. Survivor, just hold your horses. I will post a picture for you guys to see at some point somewhere. Just, I know you can't see it right now. This kid right ah, here. That is him. Interesting. Yeah. And some people even think that Bridget was also a part of the cult. I don't think Bridget was a part of the cult because um, we see too much reaction from her. I just think if she was, she would have been more like a Joan figure, like more lax in that way. And if Peter wasn't going the course, then pushing him. But I don't think she was a part of it. Um, I've already told you guys about a few of the theories, like the Charlie payment theory about how she was payment from birth. I do want to talk about um, the picture of payment we see in the movie is not actually the image of payment, if that makes sense. Ari Aster apparently drew this. And when he drew it with the staff, payment carries a bag of heads with him. And you notice it's three heads. Um, I believe that obviously these are supposed to be Ellen, Charlie, mm -hmm. and Annie's head. And this also like explains like how I was talking about how payment has to travel through like getting out the head. Now, like I said, this is not accurate info. I've put links down below if you want to like actually know how payment get down. That's on y'all. I'm just gonna let y'all have that. I've read some, not the whole thing, but if y'all want to, y'all have at it. But anyway, nope. <laughs> right. That's why I'm like, yeah, y'all are really good, but. I just like how this movie does not waste anything. Like literally every time you watch it, it's just like Final Destination. You find in something new. And that's why I am proud to say that I am a proud Ari Ho. And if you want to fight, I respect people's opinions. But um, when we got to the seance part, I got kind of bored. The first seance. Because I was like, this movie not over yet. <laughs> Two hours is very long to me, depending on what it is. Um, yeah. But see, the run, like even before I always watch a movie, I always check the runtime. The runtime is what kept me watching because I'm like, I usually don't hear of a two hour mm -hmm. scary movie. Like, that's just not common. Well, and I was just like, why is this two hours? So, I mean, that 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 kind of pushed me to the yeah. end. Too. This man is about to do a four hour horror comedy. I just looked up Ari Oster and it said a four hour horror comedy he's trying to do. I mean, Miss Amara is, was. Is me and Samara almost three hours? Oh my God. Y'all want me to watch that too? I like those movies. The only horror movie that did not need to be that effing long was It Chapter Two. Like that movie is long for no goddamn reason and we went nowhere. But anything else, because even The Bad Seed, our first horror movie we ever watched, that was two hours and four minutes. It was. And yeah, but. Mm. Ratings. Hereditary got a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 3.3 out of 5 on Facebook, and 74% of Google users liked this movie. I'll let Johnny go ahead and go first. Johnny, what do you rate Hereditary? Um, <laughs> I'm giving it a 75. I left. I didn't. How did I know? How did I know? I was literally going to say 75. I was going to say about 75. I will say I'm highly disappointed. Um, 
I, I mean, I didn't hate it. Like, like it just this I, is a blasphemy. I feel like you two are totally out of line, and I do not respect your opinion. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I I really don't understand how people were scared of it. Though. My feelings are a little hurt. I do have to say. Um, I feel like the work Mr. Astor has put in, and yes, I have my Ari Ho hat on. Um, this movie deserves 100 tickets, and that's what I'm giving it. It's the first 100 of the season. And y'all can fight me on Twitter, IG, Spotify, wherever y'all want to fight, y'all can fight and tell me why this don't deserve 100 tickets. Because I'm ready, and I will argue you down. All right. With that being said, dang. I haven't even hit 80 tickets yet. <laughs> because you're not giving these movies a chance. I did give it a chance. I watched it. I feel like one of these, what, this is like, what, the sixth movie we done did in this season. One of them from you. Like, the way you do these movies, you would have thought they were chopped liver. Like, this is our seventh movie. And every the highest I've given is a 75. That's crazy. Like, I feel like. The last four movies you've given a 75. Three. Wrong turn, I gave a 45. Well. Well. Wrong turn, four. Well. There's four of them? There's more like than four. It's like seven of them. <laughs> it's a bunch oh of God. them. All right. Uh, before I turn into one of those Ari Ho fans, because I don't want to do that, but it might happen. Let's get into the souvenir shop. Thanks for writing. Before you go, take a detour into the souvenir shop. All right, for the souvenir shop, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't got no souvenirs because this movie, actually, yes, I do. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. Miniatures. All kinds of miniatures. Build a miniature. You know how Crocs, how they got like the little gibbets, gibbets, whatever the fuck they call, and you can like pick your own. Like mm-hmm. for hereditary, I want you to like create your own miniature. So you'll get like, you'll get a body like this, <laughs> or you can get a body like this and it'll come with little like attachments that you can put stuff on. Maybe some bird heads up in there, something, something like that. As always, you guys can check out the cover art on our IG or Twitter pages where I try to find as many as I can find and I found so many for this one. So you can check all those out. But the main cover art for this one is, and like I said, this is also why I thought this was gonna be a creepy kid movie. It's Annie at the top standing over Charlie, who, mm, how do I describe this? Annie's on top of Charlie and they're both looking at us. But if you look all the way down at the bottom, there's a miniature with his head cut off. Now I've been trying to figure out for the longest, is this a bird head or is the head screaming? Cause I really don't know. Which one are you looking at? This one. That's a mouse. That's a mouse? Yeah. Like a rat? Yeah. That is a mouse head. Oh my goodness, I see it now. The part that I think is a screaming mouth is a ear. What the f- oh Jesus, all right. Zoom out of that. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, before we get into these park announcements, I want to thank Shaquille for joining us on the show today. I was so happy you were able to stop by. I know you went to Possession Whore, and we actually should have had you on a Deborah Logan episode because 
that shit. Oh, yes, but I had, you know, I'm glad you picked this one because I had a great time talking to you. Once again, for our survivors, plug yourself again and let us know everything you got going on so they can check you out. Thanks for having me, y'all. This is Shaquille, also known as Black Wick on Instagram, B-L-A-C-K-W-I-K-K. Check me out for all your latest art um, and events coming to your area. I'm going to have all his info down at the bottom as well, along with all the sh- It's going to be a shit ton of show notes for this episode. I'm just letting y'all know now. So all that's going to be at the bottom. Next week, we call it a substitution, y'all, because real quick, real quick, real quick, let me get into the park announcements and I'll explain. We call it a substitution because um, I never seen Legion. John ain't never seen Legion. When she picked it for this month, I don't think she knew. <laughs> it's okay. And it's okay because I ain't know we because I ain't never seen a movie. It don't got nothing to do with nobody's grandma. That's just a very like small 30 second scene. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, let's kick that out. You seen Legion? Yeah, though. We didn't yes. see it. So we was like, yeah, we're just going. Okay, so in my defense, when you said Nanny's Gone Wild, I literally was thinking Nanny, like a babysitter Nanny and not a grandma. But that's a grandma in the movie. I've never I mean, we've never, never seen, seen it, but you know what I meant when I said Nanny. I meant, I, and I told you when I explained it, I said grandma or person of older status before we even submitted the scene. You was like, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> and you, I, I don't I even like, remember picking Legion. I don't remember picking it. I was like, I picked that. We decided to pick this movie that we randomly found on Tubi. It's called Grandma's House. It's an 80s movie. It looked like it's cheesy as fuck. And y'all know I like that. John A might not like it. We ain't never seen it. We don't know. We gonna find out. If you've seen it, let us know what you think about it. And if you haven't seen it, like I said, you can watch it on Tubi before we review it next week. Other than that, Hit us up on our social medias, IG, Twitter, TikTok, D180 Podcast. If you want to join our Patreon to get a load of that new series, Delete It or Leave It, where I assess deleted scenes. If you want to see what me and John A think about this screen movie, you can see that and a whole bunch of other shit that's on that Patreon. Other than that, I think that is it for us today. And we will see you next time that the park opens, survivors. Bye, y'all. See you soon.